0: More shocking than Speck's lack of remorse was his change in appearance. Apparently through the use of hormones, he had transformed his body to ensure his survival in one of America's most dangerous prisons. He had the
1: certain trappings of a female body that made him very desirable to inmates. The breasts and the you know, silk feminine underwear were all part of the scheme by which he kept himself alive, and not only alive, but, you know, well supplied with goodies like liquor and cocaine. Ah Listen, living, listening to Synchronon. Second run. Yes. You're listening
2: to the sick, or not? The sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. God, what a bunch of scumbags. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. I'm one of your hosties, Simon.
3: I'm the other one, Kate Rambo.
2: What's cracking there, Kate Rambo?
3: Yeah, not much, mate. What's going on with you?
2: I'm just enjoying um, the many, the sundry activities for uh, Pride Month.
3: Oh, are you? Are you big into the pride?
2: Love the Pride Month.
3: I wish I was gay so I could have a little pride of myself.
2: Is there is Pride like a thing? Is there like a big Pride thing in of Northern England? S-
3: well, it's a, it's everywhere. Yeah, I mean, but my I mean, work is it a is big deal it?
2: though in the north? Like, do you guys have like like LA, like West Hollywood? It's crazy. It's crazy right now. They're doing all like the, their parades, and then like there's all these specials and the, the bars. Everyone's like all. You're know, excited because it's it's Pride Month, they're all proud. We and don't necessarily
3: <laughs> we don't necessarily have a parade, but the stuff like that where it's like if this wasn't under COVID, there's definitely more parties. It's more party atmosphere.
2: Well it's a big deal in like all the major US cities. Yeah. Um but yeah, West Hollywood's crazy. San Francisco was crazy about Pride, obviously. Of course. Um, but um I always thought, you know, not trying to uh you know, salt the, the Pride game. But I always thought Pride was kind of lame. Like, I mean, maybe it's a controversial opinion, but in San Francisco, I think I would spend the day hiding away from all the Pride stuff. Probably going to do the same thing in L.A. too. Although it's, it's not like in San Francisco is a smaller area in the Tenderloin, it would just be just packed and everything would be super expensive. And Pride, like, it's usually like the parade was all the families and the kids. If you want to go to the fun one, it's Folsom Street Fair because yeah. that's when you're going to see some fucked up shit.
3: I've seen the picture.
2: Yeah, and it's it's debaucherous and yeah, it's like deviant, but it's a it's a, that's like my brother's Christmas. I was
3: about to say I definitely am friends with more gay people who are Folsom Street Fair types than rainbow types. Definitely.
2: I recall when uh, my brother first came out to visit. Uh, visit me when I lived in San Francisco this would have been like 99 probably and so I was living on Treasure Island and uh he was like well we gotta go check out Folsom Street Fair because he came out for the for the event and it's like a big leather festival and so we went we me and my roommate I think it was P-Town and I think my girlfriend at the time a couple other friends of ours who all went down to um to Folsom Street to go check it out and my brother is like as soon as he was there he's like see you guys later but but we didn't see him yeah, for five dumped, days. Yeah,
3: dump the losers.
2: <laughs> he just peaced out. We didn't see him for five days.
3: Excellent, good on you, Jeff.
2: He said he spent almost a whole day in the porta potty, <laughs> <just> hanging out. <laughs> it is like I, it is just gnarly. It's unlike anything I've ever seen. It's not family friendly like Pride. Like Pride's a family friendly yep. thing. You get the the big floats and the drag queens and you know and they're they're playing all the the the, the techno music. That the, that the gays that the like. Kids.
3: <laughs> that the kids and the gays <laughs> like. The gays,
2: their EDM that they dance to. Um, but no, it's more of a family thing. Whereas, like, Folsom Street Fair should not be a family thing, though you do see parents bringing their kids to that.
3: Why do you want your child to see a Lever Daddy?
2: Just, or a Dong.
3: I think the first time you should ever see a Lever Daddy is just in, like, the village people. And then as you get older, you understand. Yeah,
2: because you're exposed to it. and then Or maybe Police Academy. Is there you a in Police County? Yeah, the Blue Oyster. Remember that bar? Oh, right. I yeah.
3: thought <laughs> you meant like one specific lever daddy. <laughs> the Blue my,
2: Oyster. I haven't been to Folsom Tree Fair in years, but uh, I remember the last time I was there, It's probably been like mid-2000s maybe, went with my sister and Jer, and my sister's the worst to go to Folsom Tree Fair.
3: Oh, I bet she loves it. Oh, my God. It. No, what my
2: sister loves to do. She still prank, loves to do this. She's like...
3: Frank Frankie. Yeah,
2: you know what she loves to do? It's like, you'll be saying in line to go get a beer, and there's like, you know, a couple dudes with with chaps and, like, just bare asses oh, in front of you. Oh, she's
3: slapping those asses. No,
2: she'll run up and grab your hand and just push your hand and then run away. <laughs> and then the dudes are like, hello, Mary. And you're just like, uh, no, it wasn't, no. She, my sister pushed my hand into your bare ass. And they're yes. like, sure. Yeah,
3: of course. Oh,
2: God. There's this, I remember this, like, little Asian man who was just naked except for, like, this, like, net, like a black net that he was wearing. Yeah,
3: like a fishnet.
2: Kind of a fishnet thing. And he was standing there, and my sister just... My sister just like pushed my hand, like right into his crotch, like his, his little like fucking tiny dick, <laughs> like hit my, my fingertips. And I remember being like, oh my God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And he followed me like through the entire parade. Like we went oh, down, yeah, Street, and he was right behind, he was like an older Asian man. And I don't know if he was actually from China or something, but he was foreign. Um, but yeah, he was following us the whole time. And my sister, my sister laughed. For days afterwards. So
3: your hand Still brings it up. ...has touched another man's penis.
2: It has, yeah. So... Inadvertently, you, I'd blame it on her.
3: That's pretty gay.
2: I guess it could be.
3: Especially because you think about it when you masturbate.
2: I do. Exactly. I still do. Every day gayer. to this day. That's even gay. I also think of, like, my sister pushing my hand into him, so it was almost like a threesome <laughs> with my sister. Oh, my, my God, sister. an
3: incestuous threesome with you're, your sister.
2: Yeah, you're making me arouse, so let's <laughs> move on. Um... But yeah, no, my, my, I remember I think I got her back later that day because we were leaving and I saw this like homeless person just sleeping on like a mattress on the ground that was like covered in like feces and semen. And so when we were walking by, I just shoulder checked her and she fell right on top of the guy.
3: <laughs> that's not as good as touching a little Asian man's dick. I think your sister won that round.
2: And I think she did too, but she was still grossed out by it. Anyway, <laughs> that's not what you should be doing during Pride Month. You shouldn't be like, you know pushing other people's hands into other people's buttocks unless they want unless you to you, do that. Unless you, yes, both of yeah, you want know, accepting of that. Unless it's solicited, you know. Um, <laughs> you shouldn't be pushing your siblings onto soiled mattresses on the ground. What you should be doing is enjoying, you know, gay people and, and gay things.
3: Yeah, because we're all you know. a little bit gay.
2: You know, I'm wondering if uh, they're going to do like a socially distanced pride parade because I think they, they canceled it last year.
3: I'm not sure if um, I don't live like near London, so I'm not sure if they'll be doing it. But I mean, lots of people are vaccinated now, so I wouldn't be surprised if they do something here. Yeah,
2: I don't know what they're gonna do. I mean, maybe it sounds like there's signs, so there must be something going on. But I wonder if it's gonna be like some kind of like socially distance event. Probably. You know, I
3: imagine they've got to do something.
2: I could imagine the gays being too into being socially distanced.
3: Well, does anyone want to be socially distanced anymore? No. no. <laughs> that's
2: why I think there's probably going to be a crazy Pride, just because uh, everyone's out, you know, you've been shut into your homes for a year, and True. now things are open. And they're opening everything in L.A. officially, like bars, restaurants, everything, even inside the bars and restaurants on June 15th. Nice. So that's, I think Pride is like the end of the month, like the last weekend or the second last weekend. Oh,
3: so it will be debaucherous. It will be people fantastic. Are go,
2: people are going to go crazy. It's going to be nutty. So anyway, you're
3: gonna see a lot of nuts. <laughs> it's gonna be a lot of nuts. It's gonna be
2: nutty, literally. Um, but uh, but just to keep within the Pride Month theme, uh, Kate actually on Overkill. If you're a Patreon member, um, Kate's doing a gay slayer.
3: Gay slayers all month, baby.
2: Yeah, so uh, I forget. Who'd you do this week?
3: This week I did a Juan Corona. who's a, He's kind of an old school guy. Um, He died recently, 2019, in <laughs> jail. And um, Patrick Kearney, one of the, the freeway, freeway
2: killers. Yeah, weren't there three the, gay there freeway, freeway gay killers? three gay
3: freeway killers. Randy Kraft is the most famous of them. And William Bonin is... Uh, Bonin, Bonin, I can never say his name. He's fucked up. But I'll probably cover Randy Kraft and William. So like the,
2: that seems very um, I don't know, festive for Pride.
3: Yeah, gay you slayers. Know, gay what slayers. can go wrong?
2: And on, the, on this week's show, we're going to be discussing the, uh, the problematic mm. trope that, that is uh, omnipresent in a lot of movies, a lot of horror, in the horror genre especially. Um, the cross-dressing killer. The lethal gender bender. Um, the murderous man in a dress archetype. Um, um, the, the first, I think the first film that obviously comes to everyone's mind is uh, *Science of the Lambs. Yes, Buffalo hello, Bill.
3: Buffalo Bill. Yeah.
2: But there's also Dressed to Kill.
3: I love Dress to Kill. I love you know, that picture. Brian De Palma. Yeah, it's one Michael of his
2: best. Michael Caine. Yeah. He, he played that role expertly. I think it was Bobby. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, it was great. It was great. And uh, the first one to start it all off, actually, I would say the, the origin of the cross-dressing killer archetype here is uh, the film Psycho.
3: Of course. Yeah
2: which uh, popularized the uh, the trope of the psychotic man who dresses in women's clothing and hates and kills women. Mother. Yeah. Um, but, then, but you know, since then, since Psycho, which is 1960, there's been, I don't know, probably at least 40 other movies featuring cross-dressing or sex-changing killers. Yeah,
3: it's a trope. Um, yeah,
2: you know, uh, TV, uh, nonfiction, obviously. Uh, recently, J.K. Rowling, she uh, had a cross-dressing killer in her new book. Let's um, not mention her. <laughs> I guess she does a. She's like a detective, like a crime series. Um, Oh, I'm sure it's all. it's called Troubled Blood. Is the name of the book. Who the
3: fuck reads J.K. Rowling? Who she
2: she writes under a pen name, Robert Galbraith.
3: Okay, so she's being a man. Okay, J.K. Rowling. She doesn't. She came out with all that transsexual
2: stuff. Well, the villain is a psychopathic serial killer who turns out to be a man who dresses as a woman. So I'm wondering if she's writing as a pseudonym. So she can, uh, you know, use it, utilize a character like that. She obviously couldn't do a character like that in Harry Potter.
3: No, well, obviously not, but...
2: But it's been, uh... Who cares? She's a cunt. But there's, it's caused quite an outrage on the internet. A lot of people are very upset because here she is perpetuating this, uh, this trope, this harmful myth that transgender people are psychotic. Uh, You're supposed to fear men in dresses, um, that they're monsters, and, uh... And the, the typical thing, too, in a lot of these movies, and I think this is why a lot of uh, you know, uh, trans people are upset about it, is uh, they don't actually talk about the identity of the person as much. It's just they show them in a dress with a knife trying to murder people. Um, so their trans identity, this is what they say, is meant to incite fear in okay. the viewers. And that's why it's utilized so um, frequently in the horror genre. Um, they say in this, our society... We do, you know, we, we strictly adhere to the two gender thing, you know, especially in like uh, Western culture. Um, obviously, that's, that's changing, which is good. Um, not according to Republicans. <laughs> um, but, you know, people who disrupt that binary view viewed as being abject beings, you know, people who are counter to societal norms. And so horror, you know, capitalizes on people's fears
3: of course and that's
2: you know kind of the purpose of it so they do this you know their depiction of transgender characters is like murderous trans women and so you know people already kind of fear the you know the other and so now it's like you put a knife and a dress and in a man you know man wearing you know a dress with a knife and lipstick and now it's like well that's why you know they, they they fear trans people even more um but you know that that's the thing i you know, they, they feel that these movies and these TV shows and J.K. Rowling's book reinforcing these harmful ideas about uh, trans identity. And, you know, you could, there's definitely something to be said about that. You know, I think a lot of people you – know, I've, I've read some study as I was researching this, a Glad study, that said 84% of Americans don't even know a single trans person, personally.
3: That's not true. 84%. I, I find that I find
2: that really high, but I mean – yeah, you know, this, it's, there's, probably a good, uh, there's probably a good chance of a small-town America who knows uh, but, any trans well, people.
3: Also, if you're in small-town America and you're watching Silence of the Lambs and thinking Buffalo Bill is a is a trans person and then you're going to start fearing them because of Silence of the Lambs, you're a fucking idiot.
2: Well, I don't know if you might misconstrue what a trans person is. I th- I think that's pop culture. Your first... That's what I mean, though. But they... Pop culture is your first introduction to a trans person.
3: Yeah, but if you're not going to then branch out and, like, open your mind from there to other possibilities about what shit can go on and, like, educate yourself, then you're a fucking retard.
2: Kate Rambo. these people still think Trump won the election. (laughs) Some people.
3: (laughs) It's probably the same 84% who think he's he's coming back in March.
2: But that's the thing, though. You know, you could say Buffalo Bill isn't really even transgender.
3: Well, he's not. He's just a transvestite.
2: Yeah, I mean, he, like, cross-dressed in that one scene. I don't know if he cross-dresses typically in his life. I don't know if he just did it sexually you know, when he masturbates or something.
3: Well, we'll never know. I've never you know? actually read the book, so I can't tell you anything more about Buffalo Bill.
2: But I, I think in the there's a you know portion in the book where Clarice even says that, you know, transgender people are violent by their nature. There and so she even argues that he isn't violent because Buffalo Bill isn't violent because he's transgender. He's violent because he's a psychopath. He's a disturbed individual. Yeah. It's not that all trans people are disturbed individuals, but unfortunately a lot of people can't, make that differentiation um you know you look at it, like uh, norman bates in psycho he wasn't trans
3: no he was um but obviously like norman bates and buffalo bill though they're based on real killers real people well
2: yeah and that's yeah. i was gonna get to that point <laughs> in a second but uh dress to kill which brian de palma's uh, 1980 film definitely check it out people i think it's a good movie um, even though a lot of people think it's controversial, oh no,
3: I like just killers. But it's great. transgender
2: identity, they feel that in that movie is equated with mental illness. So the killer, Bobby Michael Caine, is a transgender woman with bipolar disorder.
3: That's the mental you illness.
2: Know? So when manic, she dresses as a woman and kills, you know, an occasional woman. But when depressed, she's more masculine and is not violent, <laughs> which I don't think is the case. <laughs> in general. Cause Michael Caine. Yeah, most violent offenders are male. Looks so. good as a
3: woman, I must say.
2: <laughs> he's great in that movie. He
3: looks great.
2: Um there's a movie called Sleepaway Camp with a serial killer on the loose at a children's summer camp. Iconic twist ending in that one. You should go check it out. But uh you'll see. I what think I'm, you know what the twist thing.
3: ending yeah. will be now. <laughs>
2: yeah. Um but yeah, you know, there's uh people claim that these scenes, these characters, create an association between fear. And trans women, because that's their only introduction you know, to, to trans people. Right. Because they just think that they're psychopathic killers. Because it's so um, stupid
3: if people think that.
2: There's a documentary that uh, recently came out called Disclosure that uh, kind of goes through and um, revisits a lot of these movies and how these movies and film, just throughout the past you know, 40 years, um, represent trans people you know, as jokes, as victims, as slashers. And then they kind of explore the negative impact that has on trans people's lives. And they claim, and they kind of make this, this point, and I've read a couple of their articles from, um, you know, trans websites and things like that, and I do agree with it. I mean, these stereotypes are harmful, and they have led to, and you know, they've led to a notion where it's, you know, people think that they're, you know, they're, they're, they're abject creatures or things like that, and they dehumanize trans people. I do see that. Um, but they claim that there's no trend of men creating false identities as women to commit or escape capture for their crimes. Um, they say that there's no trend of wi- of uh, trans women cr- or cross-dressing men or gender-fluid people even being murderous. So they're, they're claiming like, what are Wait, these... Wait, they're
3: saying that cross-dressing men don't kill. Well,
2: that, that that they're is saying absolute that there's fucking no trend bullshit. of it. There's and so many cross-dressers. And this trend exists in fiction yeah. and in film. You know, and that's, and that's the thing. And the mainstream media sensationalizes it when they see some kind of gender nonconformity. You know, uh, they, they bring up how the Republicans, you know, it was that like a couple of years ago when they're arguing about the bathroom bill, like uh, transgender people aren't allowed to use a women's restroom. And they called that the Buffalo Bill. Okay. That's what they, that they called <laughs> that on Fox <laughs> News. Big yeah. yokes. Idiots. But, but my point is, and kind of getting back to what you were just saying, I understand. How this, you know, murderous man in a dress trope, you know, the creepy crossdresser is an often overused cheesy horror film cliche. Um, but there is truth behind this murder, you know, murderous man in a dress trope. There is truth behind it. I mean, Hollywood, Hollywood didn't just go, you know, film directors weren't like, we're gonna create a cross-dressing villain here to disparage trans people, you know, and disperse disperse these myths about their identities, you know, because they're all evil psychopaths. A lot of the characters, you know, Buffalo Bill being one of them, um, Norman Bates, are either based directly or composites, you know, of real life killers, real life killers who had gender dysmorphia, real life killers who cross and and real life killers who even underwent you know full gender reassignment. There are. There's so, lots. <laughs> so that's why I'm saying it's not. You know, this isn't something they made up. It's it's definitely based in reality. Now, whether or not it's it's healthy to depict that in a film, I mean, that's something I, I mean, you know, you can debate about. It's you know, people can say like violent video games cause teens to be violent. Of course, you know, I, I think there's definitely you know a line to be drawn between fantasy and reality. But the reality is, there are a lot of cross-dressing killers.
3: There are, and there
2: are a lot of killers who are transgender. I mean, there are, especially in Australia. And we're going to get to that in a second. How
3: uh, wise, mice. Yeah,
2: it, it blew my mind when I was doing this research because I was like, "Are there that many transgender killers?" And you know, there there are a lot of cross dressing killers. There's a lot, you know. We uh, Kate has a whole list here. You know, like um, and a lot of a lot of killers who were dressed as little girls when they were children, and this affected their development, of course, you know, throughout adolescence. Um, you know, there there's that level. Of uh, of killer cross dressing killer but then there's you know then there's also the the people who undergo a sex change while in prison and things like that and there's a few in um you know in america and there's a few in in England, but there's a lot an inordinate amount in oz in <laughs> yeah. australia we're going to get to that in a second but you so you have a few Americans who could be considered cross dressers or yeah who or are known for their, killers yeah
3: who are known for being cross dressing it's like part of them and their studies so like one of the most famous i would say is the btk dennis raider he took loads of saucy bondage pictures of himself dressed up in like his victim's lingerie he would steal tights and, and torture you know, put kill van torture kill
2: what's what's funny about dennis raiders is, is the guy just looked like such a typical
3: well he's a dad you
2: know, dad like a midwestern dad you know he's kind of kind of stocky he's got like the mustache and everything but meanwhile, here's pictures of him. We, you know, we'll have to post one on the site. But he's like, maybe on Patreon, we'll post a few more. But he's like, you know, hanging from a tree and like in lingerie. lingerie. In extreme
3: bondage pictures. <laughs> and like his daughter, his daughter's often does interview about him and about growing up being the daughter of the BTK. She looks exactly like him. Oh,
2: God. It's really creepy. <laughs> That's unfortunate. If she's going to have to be like Kelly Osbourne and get like, like severe <laughs> yeah, you know, plastic surgery to change that, She probably doesn't have the money.
3: So another one is uh, Hayden Clark. He's known as the cross-dressing cannibal. Um, I just covered Jerry Brudos last week um, on Overkill. He's oh, one yeah, of the yeah, most yeah. famous um, transvestites. He was in the shoes. Killing. He was, was a, in, a shoe, fet- shoes. shoe fetishist. Yes, <laughs> fucking loved his shoes. Well, did
2: he, so how many people did Jerry Brudos murder?
3: Um, four
2: for women and did he dress as a woman you can listen well, to the
3: overkill to hear what <laughs> jerry brudos did the do. cliff notes <laughs> no listen to the overkill then there was. Right. there's also jeffrey garton jeffrey garton was very similar to um dennis Rader because he would go long periods where he didn't kill but, but he, he engaged dad. in cross-dressing yeah he looks like a dad too and fantasy and he was married and he would have conceptual sex with his wife while he was dressed as a woman so there's the doors. Wait, so of he would, he would, cr-
2: so he would cross dress while he was having sex with his wife, and he
3: was also cross dress in his own time.
2: Oh, okay, and right.
3: yeah, in his victim's clothes. So then, obviously, you know,
2: sexualized it.
3: So we were talking about him. One of the inspirations. So one of the inspirations for Buffalo Bill was Jerry Brudos, and the other is
2: Ed Gein. Oh, Ed Gein! Yeah, Here yeah, he yeah. is,
3: everyone. Ed freaking Gein, the madman. What he was off his rocker. You
2: know, the thing is with a lot of these famous serial killers like the celebrity serial killers we don't tend to do those on sick and wrong because like i don't know 10 million podcasts yes, already, already covered, done them. yeah covered these but i'll do them on overkill um, yeah we, we we'll go into an overkill we tend to go a little more obscure and go for the killer that you haven't heard of however that being said i don't want to undermine how gnarly ed gein was
3: <laughs> he, i'm gonna do ed gein on overkill one time because i think he's hilarious so i found this great quote which comes from like um a November 21st issue of a magazine called The Journal. And it's talking about Ed Gein's unnatural attachment to his mother, which he most certainly fucking had. So this is a quote um where he said, He had been, he had been a woman instead of a man, and he was wondering whether it would be possible to change his sex. He considered inquiring about an operation to change into a woman, and even thought of trying the operation upon himself. But he did not think about such plans. So Ed... Was wanting to chop his cock off, <laughs> but I mean, he had that skin suit, and he would dance in the moonlight in his uh, woman skin suit. He definitely uh, was gender gender fluid.
2: Did Did he have like a like a drawer just full of severed vaginas
3: and nipples? He had the nipple bell. He just had it oh, all in his. He, yeah, last week we were talking about hoarding. <laughs> Ed <laughs> Ed is a hoarder.
2: And did Did Dahmer? He had a drawer filled with uh, dicks, right? and Balls.
3: Uh, I don't know if it was filled with dicks and bottles. Well, I think he had a
2: few in a drawer.
3: He had a couple hanging about. That's and what I a wonder. If, like, in the fridge.
2: if they would be friends if they had like a play date or something.
3: Um well Ed was uh, Ed was kind of like below IQ and he didn't drink. Jeffrey kind of wants rotundo. to have a chat and he wants to drink. Yeah. Yeah. So then the next guy, um I know Jim can't swim if people watch him on YouTube. He did a good documentary about this guy, and that's um Canadian Colonel Russell Williams. He was convicted of raping and killing two women in February of 2010, and some of the evidence presented to the jury during his trial were photographs of Colonel Russell Williams posing in his victim's underwear and laundry. They're hilarious. You can find them.
2: Wait, he was he was an actual colonel?
3: He was. Oh, wow. A Canadian colonel. And then, obviously, we have Richard Speck.
2: Probably one of the most famous... Uh, And probably, I think the first, right? He was the first to actually transition.
3: Yeah, the first inmate in U.S. prison history to chemically um, transition gender.
2: Yeah, Uh, there's a there's an amazing video. We um, kind of played a clip from it, but or the documentary. But there's an amazing video where he has his he he must have been taking hormones because he has breasts. And he's sitting with another inmate in a cell, and he's just talking about how much he's enjoying like doing cocaine and hanging out in in prison. But but he didn't transition, I think, out of gender dysmorphia as much of survival. Uh, like, yeah, but
3: you don't do those things if it's already not inside of you, anyways. Do you catch my drift? Like, I'm not gonna. I have no desire to become a man, even if it was for survival.
2: I think. I think with him, yeah. I think obviously. You know, he probably did have some kind of gender dysmorphia, you know, that he suffered from. You know, he killed from. a lot
3: of women as well. He hated women. Hated I, women, that's yeah. definitely a part of it, too.
2: But then I think also part of that was, like, he's in prison. Uh, he's a rapist. You know, a lot of uh, – a, a women killer. A lot of people don't take too kindly to that, especially no, kind of not. a famous one. So I think, you know, out of necessity, he's like, well, I think I might just become a woman. It's time. It's time for my, you know, gender dysmorphia. Come into play, and I'm gonna transition here and become the person I always wanted to be. But he like did, he had like would wear like silk underwear.
3: He would, yeah. Yeah,
2: he like uh, grew his tits out
3: and had a great time. And then he died in the early nineties.
2: Didn't he have like uh, they they did like um, like group sex with him?
3: They did, yeah. yeah
2: where it was just like everybody like Bukowski scenes the and Queen
3: Bee of his jail. <laughs> So we have, you know, there's also, like, plenty of serial killers who were forced to wear dresses. You know, Charles Manson was probably one of the most famous. There's Charles Albright. He was the eyeball oh, killer. The eyeball
2: killer, yeah, yeah. We should cover him one of these days.
3: But two, I only managed to find two killers in America who are full-on transsexual now.
2: Oh, uh, that have fully transitioned to compared to to the, a woman. Compared to
3: the many, many Australian ones <laughs> that you're about to tell us all about. So there was in Charleston, South Carolina. There's um, Catherine Brown. She was formerly known as Edmund Tennant Brown, the sixth, and she's serving a life sentence for her crime for obsessively stalking a woman for over two decades since boyhood. Twenty years. Yeah, this woman was kind of like um, had dated her dad, and then she became obsessed with her, and she raped and killed her in 2003. And she's now a transgender woman like she in wanted a male to become jail. Her. Possibly.
2: Well, so she's a transgender woman in a male prison.
3: Well, because they won't move you. Obviously, we're not here to discuss (laughs) about that. Let's not even get into it. And the other famous case is uh, Michelle Lynn Koselik. She's serving a life sentence for the murder of her wife. And she's like really well known for the controversy surrounding her attempts to to obtain a vaginoplasty for her gender dysmorphia while in prison.
2: She's not a very attractive trans woman. <laughs> if you've, there's if a bit if of the Caitlyn Jenner going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a. I was reading something about Consolic where um, she was at home, but like her wife. This is this is her defense. Her wife wasn't home yet, and she was at home, and she's like, oh, I think I might just put on my wife's underwear, put on her bra, hang out, and uh, she claims that the that her wife came home found her wearing her bra and panties and flew into a transphobic rage and she she had no choice but to like defend herself and you know smash a coffee cup across her head and stab her like 30 times I mean, she had to
3: she had to do that it was (laughs) to protect her against transphobia well she's serving a life sentence now and she is not going to get out anytime soon
2: but the other thing too is uh i think she like hid the body in the closet or hid the body somewhere and then um they her his wife her wife had a 15 uh, year old like st- he had a step steps on a 15 year old steps on he came ho- and i uh, came home and they had dinner hung out as if nothing happened where's my mom yeah <laughs> it's like why are you wearing know. mom's dress this is odd <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that guy, that, um, he underwent a, a full uh, sex change. I think he was trying to because it, it was a big controversy. It's a
3: controversy because certain prisons won't give you the hormones. But if you are taking the hormones before you go to prison, the prison has no choice but to give you them. drugs. But those to continue drugs. it, yeah, yeah. But if during your jail term, this is what happened with Michelle, if you want to then change your gender, you can't. Ha- you don't have access to those hormones. You're in jail. You're not allowed to go and like do stuff like that they won't let you yeah
2: as you think it's almost like a danger to yourself at that point
3: how how do you mean oh because of like you might get raped yeah you know i
2: mean you could be you could be harmed um but yeah you know so so i'm sure there are some other american and british and uh i know there's a german there's a german uh uh trans
3: yeah, is he um, called killer the, the
2: pink beast yeah something yeah. like that um uh beat uh, bait or his uh, name?
3: i can't remember his I forget, name something
2: like that but there's a few there's a handful you know and i'm sure there's probably other american ones we might have missed you know recently oh, but there are hardly people. hardly they <laughs> <hardly laughs> do they compare to the land of uh killing cross dressers
3: land of bloody osmite here they we go. hold the
2: record for the most transsexual killers i don't get it I don't understand why there are so many transsexual killers in Australia. Is it because maybe they allow them to transition there? or they?
3: Yeah, I mean, Australia is one of the most um, LGBT-friendly countries in the whole world. And it has a really long history of, like, fighting for LGBT rights as well. So it's probably more so that people will feel safer coming out in those communities. And, like, does it, like, doesn't Sydney have, like, a free week long Mardi Gras? Are you Pratt. saying that, like,
2: most Australian men want to be women?
3: Most Australian men, they just want to be women, <laughs> mates. They love it.
2: <laughs> uh, recently in the news, there's a, a serial killer named Reginal- Reginald Arthuro. Uh He's leading a new life as Regina after his jail release. And he's allegedly made threats against the victim's family uh, after his parole ends, which is not a good thing. It's not going to help his uh, prison release. No, it's not. Her prison release. Um Radio, I'm already apologizing in advance for mis mispronouncing things. Yeah, me and (laughs) Z. I'm trying to. I'm trying my best. Okay. Me
3: and Z are both open-minded individuals, but like, don't come at us and say that we've said or done something wrong because we we're trying our best.
2: (laughs) What is the term for mispronoun pronouncing?
3: Um, when you use the wrong pronoun, use the wrong pronoun. Yeah,
2: I'm not doing it intentionally. I might no, we're not. Yeah, we're not. You know know plenty of trans people then they're not murderers, believe me.
3: <laughs> yeah, one of my best friends at work. It doesn't it's yeah. transsexual doesn't even fucking bother me. However,
2: um in Australia there are a lot of trans murderers yeah. apparently. It's the land of cross dressing killers. Of <laughs> transsexual killers. Not cross dressing. <laughs> transsexual killers. Um this radio station showed photos of uh Regina, now seventy four, dressed in a series of women's wigs, posing for a camera. Um these were posted on a Transgender Community Friendship page by Arthur Rell, who now goes by the name of Regina is living in Western Sydney. Um, um, she was wearing different colored wigs, uh, including one in a dark brown bob. Um, and underneath it was said, Hi, I'm, I'm Regina. However, recently, uh, New South Wales police are investigating a claim that Arthur Rell Rel had vowed to take out the family of his victim, Vinay Rayleigh Mulhall. Um, he allegedly said he would act against the family, and once his parole had ended, officially, and he was no longer wearing a tracking anklet, he's going to come after them.
3: I'm going to fucking come and get you, mates. <laughs> I'm going to get you. Um,
2: that,
3: people were posting that story on the page, weren't they? Yeah, I, yeah, remember I think this someone, one someone,
2: now. Uh, someone posted this yeah. one. Well, because the picture is hilarious. The picture is
3: hilarious.
2: Um, so she was released on parole last November after serving 24 years in prison for bludgeoning Vinay Mohal... Uh, then his fiancée to death in 1997 <gasps> with a piece of wood. What? Yeah, bludgeoned uh, her with a piece that of must wood. That must have
3: been a good piece of wood. You're not talking about an MDF piece of wood.
2: Uh, his 16 parole conditions, that happened when he was released on May 24th, uh, do not prevent a change of appearance, such as presenting himself as a woman.
3: Uh, yeah, fair enough.
2: So, um, Arthur L. was a former rodeo worker and an outback drifter.
3: Uh, they have the rodeo in Australia.
2: Apparently they oh do. Oh, my God, mate. <laughs> he was a rodeo worker at, when he uh, committed his first two killings four decades ago. The tall, powerful, self-styled cowboy had two manslaughter convictions. Um, at that time, he was male. Uh, but he had met a vulnerable and uh, devoutly religious Vinay Raley Mohol in the 1980s uh, while he was in prison serving time uh, for murdering a 19-year-old sailor named Ross Browning. Um, Arthur L. also killed his stepfather, Thomas Thornton, with a carving knife. Jesus, this guy Iran, is yeah.
3: murder-happy, isn't he?
2: But he, when he was at the Darwin Correctional Center for Browning's killing, serving time there in 1986, um, he met Miss Mohall, and uh, they hit it off. Uh, she was a bit older than uh, he was at the time, um, but she convinced him to be baptized, and he convinced her that he had found God and reformed.
3: Oh, so was she working in, like, the prison chapter? She
2: was a cha-plain. prison fellowship Christian.
3: I see. Okay.
2: And uh, and she petitioned for his release as her husband. Uh-oh. Miss um, Mulhall had suffered a broken marriage and been left with a face permanently paralyzed and disfigured by an operation to remove a tumor next to her brain. Oh, my God. Yeah, so she was a looker. Um, so, <laughs> uh, Arthurell was released into the care of uh, his fiance in April 1991, and while he was still on parole, he but, bludgeoned huh? her with a uh, with a stick. Oh,
3: fucking hell! Yeah.
2: Um, her brother, Paul Quinn, found his sister's decomposing body at the home, and he looked on his sister's uh, camera. There are images of Arthur Arthurell here wearing her clothing, and her dress, and her wig.
3: After he had killed her. Yes. Oh, my
2: God. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he is, uh, is living as uh, Regina now in uh, Western Sydney. Then uh, let's move on to another famous Australian transsexual killer, Paul Charles Denier, also known as the Frankston serial killer.
3: Oh, I've never heard of him.
2: Yeah. Paula Denier is what uh, she goes by now. She's an Australian serial killer serving three consecutive sentences of life imprisonment with a non-parole period of 30 years for the murders of three young women in Melbourne in 1993. Uh, Denier became known in the media as the Frankston serial killer because all the crimes occurred in the neighborhood of uh, Frankston. Okay. Later, during her imprisonment, when she was around 30, uh, she began identifying as a transgender woman, uh, but was refused permission at the time by prison authorities to wear makeup or receive sex reassignment surgery or even legally alter her name
3: you're not allowed to in women's prisons anyways you're not allowed to wear makeup
2: are they you, stop you, you from
3: wearing it you can like there's definitely ways you can like get around it, and like women will if you put like a bit of water on a magazine, you can like take some of the color from that and use that as eyeshadow There's like tricks you can do, but you're not meant to wear makeup
2: uh, yeah did that would you wear like blush or something or lipstick
3: <laughs> yeah in prison a cell block h or something. <laughs> <laughs> Put some lipstick on, honey. You look awful.
2: <laughs> so, in, a, in a, over a seven-week period in the summer of 1993, um, uh, um, uh, Denyer here murdered three young women—17, 18, and 22. They're violently stabbed and slashed to death. One even in broad daylight. Really? Uh, but one actually escaped. Another 41-year-old woman here um, was violently assaulted, but she escaped with her life. And her, she actually fought and the scratches that uh, she had like inflicted on him that they used for the DNA evidence to actually pin him down not to mention they they ran his registration on his car he's kind of an idiot this guy
3: yeah well it sounds like he's in a that kind of like bloodlust when you know when killers get to that stage where they, 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 don't they just do shit yeah. anymore they like they've just got like a the, the, the urge id takes to kill. over. yeah the id yes uh,
2: none of the victims knew each other and there's nothing to connect them in any way except that they all lived in the Frankston uh, district, and so when he, when uh, he was eventually caught, it turned out that the killer was a local, Paul, Paul Charles Denyer, a six foot, very overweight, twenty one year old man who answered to his nickname John Candy, because no he kind of looked like John Candy. Did Uncle he? Buck,
3: <laughs> I love John Candy.
2: <laughs> uh, when he was captured, he showed no emotion as he told police how he murdered the three women. Um, he said he always wanted to kill since he was fourteen. He's just waiting for the right time, waiting for that silent alarm to trigger him off.
3: He's he disturbed. Said. He has a psychopathic extremely disturbed. Disease, definitely.
2: They said in one of the interviews, uh, he's he only 21 years old at the time. Uh, police asked him, "Can you explain why all your victims are women?" And he said, "I just hate them." And the, the officer was like, "I beg your pardon." And Denver says, "I hate them." And the police said, "The police said, you know, those particular girls are just women in general. General. General." so yeah he just hated all women but this guy was just awful even when he's a kid i mean he murdered cats he murdered kittens uh, there's one story i read here that uh he actually had a girlfriend which blew my mind this woman named sharon johnson obviously doesn't pick her lovers all that well um but yeah like she supported the guy like he lived with her unemployed she oh, worked two jobs down
3: to keep him well yeah no
2: 1992 so he'd been like 20 years old he just lived in the house in the flat together she paid the rent she supported him
3: he sounds like he was probably being a right barrel of laughs as well
2: a big fat piece of shit this yeah, john guy candy yeah
3: <laughs> living with um, depressed john And they
2: become friendly with his neighbor named tricia and her sister donna who had a uh, you know a newborn baby like a two-month-old baby an infant and she lived with her fiance. one night February 1993, this is the same year as the murders, but right before. um, Les and Don arrived home around 11 p.m. with the baby in a bassinet after working uh, at his his pizza job. And uh, as they walked into uh, their their living room, they saw on the wall behind the television set the words, Dead Don. And lying on the floor in the middle of the kitchen was the remains of their cat, Buffy. With a picture of a bikini-clad woman strewn over its dismembered body.
3: Oh, my God, Buffy, The Mike. cat's
2: entrails had been dragged through the kitchen and scattered about the walls, and the blood was sprayed everywhere. And written in blood in the middle of it, on the floor, was Donna, you're dead.
3: Not Donna. Yeah, <laughs> Not
2: Buffy. One of Buffy's eyes was bulging from its socket. The other eye was missing, <gasps> ripped out of its uh, unfortunate Did they ever find out
3: its over eye? No. I wonder what he did with it. I think he kept it.
2: Probably a trophy.
3: Oh, poor buffy.
2: Yeah, he ransacked the house. Um, they, they, but they never like put two and two together that it was the neighbor, you know that y- he was, yeah, the, you because know, if they're the friendly enough here.
3: you wouldn't think.
2: And then there's a number of victims: 18 year old Elizabeth Stevens, who was stabbed, throat slashed, crisscross pattern carved into her chest. Um, another, another mother who left her 12 day old son, 12 day old son at home with a male friend. She went out to go get some milk. He got her, uh, as she was in her car, stabbed, strangled, throat cut. Shit. Yeah. Final victim was a 17-year-old schoolgirl. Same kind of thing. Um, But she also put up a bit of a fight, too. So there's DNA evidence there as well. Um, He was charged with three murder counts. One of abduction. um, He pled guilty and uh, didn't didn't even contest. So he's facing life in prison. But while he was in prison, he requested to be allowed to purchase and wear women's cosmetics. Denied. Yet he still defied the prison's orders, and he had cosmetics smuggled into the prison. And he would only respond to guards when they called him as Paula. Okay. So he changed his name here. There's a series of letters that came out from uh, from Denyer. Um, she wrote, "I committed these disgusting crimes not because I ever hated womankind, but because I've never really, really felt that I was a man." Okay. Not it, sure how me- that just or how that's any kind of a you know, remorse or apology there.
3: It's not often I will say this, but to me it does seem like there has been a miscarriage of justice because I don't think she belongs in a jail. I generally think she belong, needs to be in a mental institution. institution. Not because she knows she's got gender dysmorphia, but because she's definitely got psychopathic tendencies. And then all of that where she's saying that she has to kill women to be a woman, basically...
2: Well, psychiatrists... Uh, did evaluate whether uh, he should um, receive sex reassignment surgery and then rejected the idea. Uh, prison Prisoner support group said that she cannot be anything but serious about her transition. Um, one of the victim's mothers uh, said that the transition was a stunt and made her feel sick to even hear about it. Years later, Denier admitted that he wanted gender reassignment because he wanted to be legally placed in a woman's prison.
3: But why does he want to go in a woman's prison? Is it... Is he not having a good time in male prison? I don't know. <laughs> or is he, but he's still calling, so he's still Paula. He's a trans woman now.
2: Yeah. There's yeah, a, There's so a picture of a big trans woman. So. She since, is a big lady. Since
3: the 90s, she's now been Joanne Candy. <laughs> <laughs> to me, yeah, so, she so should that's be allowed a, to so, this so point.
2: Well, that's, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean. I don't know if they'll they'll put her in a women's prison because maybe the female inmates. Oh no, might I don't mean at, at to go to a women's prison, point.
3: but I definitely think she should be allowed to have the surgery.
2: And she she might possibly get it eventually, but at this point, uh, they they denied her. Um, but that's not that's not all the violent Aussie men who became women behind bars. There's more. <laughs> it's the land of the cross-dressing There's killer. More, mate. Yeah, more the trans cabin. killer. That's Australia here. Uh, Madison Hall was a tattooed 26-year-old drug dealer by the name of Noel Crompton Hall, living with his wife in southwestern Sydney when he went on a road trip to deliver drugs, and he gave a South Australian man, Lynn Saunders, a lift. They argued, he shot Saunders in the back and then again in the mouth. He was sentenced, sentenced to 22 years, and while in prison, Hall began dressing as a woman in jail and self-harming, complaining that he was a woman trapped in a man's body. Um, now, in Australia, some transgender inmates can remain in male prisons where they become the girlfriends of other prisoners. And some are moved to women's prisons.
3: That happens in America too.
2: You know, while they're still technically functioning males.
3: There's that Louis Farouk documentary where he goes to, I think it's the Miami mega jail where he goes there and there's the trans, um, she's a transvestite, she's not transsexual. But she's lo- she loves being in jail. He loves being in Richard jail. Richard Speck. Richard Speck, yeah, some people embrace it.
2: Madison Hall claimed that he belonged in a female prison, and uh, he was eventually moved to an all-woman maximum security prison, where he gained a reputation as a sexual predator and was charged with raping uh, two prisoners. Oh, no. Yeah. So he was returned to the man's jail, (laughs) (laughs) and he sued the New South Wales Department of Corrective Services, claiming that psychological trauma was why this happened. And he won a $25,000 out-of-court settlement, which funded his full sex change surgery in 2003.
3: That's crazy. Yeah.
2: Hall eventually gained release in 2010 and is now living as a woman.
3: And just, yeah, not been in trouble ever since.
2: Another one, this is actually kind of a notorious character, um, Paul Luckman. Oh, yeah. Who became Nicole Louise Pierce.
3: Yeah, I covered um, this case. You you covered Luckman on on uh, on Overkill. Overkill, because with his partner in crime, Robin Reed, they kidnapped two teenage boys, um, Peter Astor. They murdered one of them. It's pretty gnarly. Uh, oh, they story. did horrible, horrible. Oh, things. tortured yeah. him. Yeah, go into all of it on overkill. Kick,
2: punch, stripped, uh, stripped him. They cut his hair, cut the, cut his pubic hair.
3: Yeah, it's not. It's, it's good.
2: Like, yeah, I've very gory, it. very gory. So in
3: 1989, he began taking hormones on the advice of a psychiatrist because he f- he said he felt more like a woman than a man. And then a year later, I know like in Australia, it's different. It's different governing bodies will. Do it differently, so like you either have to have the surgery first before you can change your name. But he's obviously in a part of Australia where he could just change his name, so he changed it and he became Nicole Louise, Louise Pierce. Pierce. Yeah. And then he underwent gender rescience surgery on a uh, 26th of October 1999. She was released, and uh, she lives a quiet life in Victoria.
2: Yeah. Never been in
3: trouble, but as a woman, that fucking murder is disgusting because. <laughs> Peter Rusted is like 13 years old. It's horrific. And it was, they tortured him.
2: Yeah. Beyond uh, And belief. Terry Ryan, two young kids.
3: Yeah, and they uh, buried him in a shallow grave. And it's awful. really sad.
2: Uh, Michelle Websdale. Uh, that was a case of sexual rejection, which sparked uh, her fury on a property near the New South Wales uh, Victorian border. At the time, she was Jeffrey Ian Websdale, a 21 year old who is a rouseabout. Uh, living in quarters with other young workers um, and a team of eight shearers, which I mentioned sheep shearing.
3: Sheep shearing, yeah. yeah.
2: Um, we still had a one-night stand with a woman named Deborah Astle, who was 19, who subsequently rejected his sexual advances. Well, he was upset. On the night of November seventh, nineteen 1989, he drank some beer with some of the shearers, wasn't satisfied with the sheep. He kicked down the door of one of the cottages where he thought Deborah was sleeping, but there was another couple there. And he shot the couple, uh, Karen Deacon and Anna, Ian Hutchison, dead. Um, he then shot another man named Daryl Lamb in the back, uh, leaving him to be a quadriplegic with his wounds. And then he found Deborah. And he shot her several times. And she had wounds in her arm and back, but she didn't die.
3: Oh, good um, on you, Debbie. Survived. I was rooting for Debbie the Slut then.
2: Around 2005, in prison, Webster began fashioning his prison greens into skirts grew his hair long and uh, started changing his identity, um, his gender identity. And he uh, changed his name to Michelle. Okay. Yeah. So uh, um, I think he's still incarcerated this guy. She. Um, Donald Jeffrey McPherson. <laughs> 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 There's so many. There's so many here, though. Uh, he was convicted of murder in 1978, served a uh, full sentence of 50 years. While in a uh, New South Wales prison, he began identifying as a woman. Um, change his name to Kimmy McPherson.
3: Kimmy McPherson. Kimmy McPherson. That's a great Australian released. name. Yeah. I love Kimmy.
2: it. Yeah, I wonder. What, I wonder if uh, I don't know what name I would choose.
3: I was going to ask you that. What name would you would choose? Because if I was a boy, I would probably choose something classic like Jack.
2: Jack. Oh, like a classic.
3: Just say, like, like I like a... it because it's also a. It's classic, but Very it's, it's also it's seventies. I like all this, like, I when we were talking about Donna before, Donna is one of my favorite girls' names. You do not meet enough Donnas. I love the name Donna. You'd look like a good Donna. Yeah, I wonder if you I could, could Donna. I do if I
2: want to do, like, a girl's name.
3: What do you mean you wouldn't do? Well, it? That, that, not like,
2: I mean, just a stereotypical girl's name, you know? Oh,
3: I know what you're going to say. You're going you're gonna to call yourself a real old Yiddish. Woman's name, aren't you? Like Schmooley, but it'll be the female <laughs> version of Schmool's.
2: I was thinking something more along the lines of Yentel.
3: <laughs> See? Well, Yentl. What's wrong with Yentel? I actually think you could pull off Yentel. I think I could pull off Yentel. I think Yentl. you could be a handsome woman called Yentl.
2: Oh, I kind of like Yentel. Um, you know, uh, one of my cousins underwent gender reassignment a long time ago, actually. Yes. I think I might have talked about this on the show. Um, uh, her name's Deborah now. But she chose the same name as my other cousin, who always thought it was really weird, because they grew up together, and she's like, why did, why did she, she must choose have my name? Her. I think so. And I was like, I actually think it's kind of an homage. Like a I tribute. think it's an
3: homage. I'd be like, oh, my God, me. Thank you, you. you. know what's interesting
2: about my cousin? Um, I didn't really know know him that well when he was a man, nor do I know him when he's a woman. <laughs> I didn't believe. Really, I mean, I, I, I don't have a very close family, except for my immediate family. Anyway, um and while he was a man, he had two kids, and he was a very successful uh, or, uh, ophthalmologist. He, like, pioneered laser surgery.
1: Oh,
3: wow. So at the
2: time, he was, like, living, I think, like, two houses down from Michael Jordan. Oh. Like, cool. Very, very wealthy. And then uh, he decided that it was time for him to uh, undergo gender reassignment. and
3: Become Deborah.
2: Yeah, he became Deborah. He uh, wrote a letter to, like, all of his patients who were all freaked out. I mean, this was, like, 1990 or 94 yeah
3: luckily things have like definitely I think things have definitely a lot progressed now. since then
2: um but yeah his wife flipped out went let him see the kids oh wow and they had like a, a vicious court battle i think both his kids don't even talk to the the mom anymore like she's kind of she's kind of a lunatic and uh yeah she moved to new york opened up a new practice and is a woman nice yeah, yeah it's pretty oh. pretty cool i remember the funniest thing about well, the funniest thing about it is when she was transitioning before i think she had like the surgery and everything um she was you know i don't think she knew i mean she was a in her 50s like mid, mid 50s 50 year old man um that was becoming a woman and she didn't really know i think many like lgd lgbtq people except for my brother and oh, so she went Jeffrey. to my brother's bar and was just like so what should i start wearing like what do you think i should wear and my brother's like I don't know. <laughs> like you're, just, you, like, I wear a leather, leather vest and, yeah. <laughs> and chaps, like a jeans. Like I don't, I don't know what to tell you. But then my brother had a few uh, drag queens that he was friends with. He's like, Will you take my cousin shopping, and they just took her. Oh, out. see, yeah. that
3: would be fantastic. <laughs> I'd love to do
2: that. It would have been hilarious. Um, but anyway, so friends, so th- there are, I guess, in closing. There are a shitload of <laughs> transsexual killers in Australia for some reason. I don't understand <laughs> it, sun. but there's a lot. Maybe it's the fosters. Maybe I don't know what they put in the fosters, but something uh, caused a it's lot of the prison It's all the shrimps inmates. on the Barbies.
3: Yeah. It's the fucking baking <laughs> sun. Transsexual.
2: transsexuals. all
3: the animals that want to fucking kill you.
2: <laughs> uh, forensic psychologist Dr. Chris Lenning said that inmates who tend to change their gender are taking on a new identity and leaving behind the factors that they didn't like about themselves which could include the violent behavior connections or association with other violent people you know when a person feels trapped in the in the wrong body and you know when a a you know a woman is trapped in a male's body they can be angry nasty and aggressive and once they achieve their gender transformation and you know, they experience relief with their new identity
3: yeah, that could be part of it. You know,
2: I, th- I think that could be part of it, along with the biochemical changes in a gender change, such as the suppression of male hormones and androgens. You know, brings a a, a powerful change to this person's life. So, I mean, it's hard to say. Like, what, were were these people opportunists? Like Richard Speck. Or uh, when the guy that went to the female prison and became a rapist, or were they people who really did suffer from a uh, you know, gender identity issue?
3: Yeah, and it's affected them their whole life. We'll you know? never know.
2: You, you never, you never, you never really know. Um, but back to the murderous man in a dress trope, the problematic trope. Um, that that we initially sparked this discussion here. I was reading a really great article on uh, bloodydisgusting.com. Do you you know that site?
3: I don't know if I do. That's
2: a great, it's just a blog, a horror film blog. found out so many good movies there. Um, But this author, a trans person, wrote a uh, a very interesting article I got a lot of information from about the murderous man in a dress trope. And uh, the question that she poses was, is it possible to have a cross-dressing killer in a film without it being inherently problematic, without it, you know, perpetuating this this hurtful trope. Yes. And so she claims that it's difficult, but that it's possible, and she can't think of a better example of doing it right than Dr. Frankenfurter from the Rocky Horror Picture That's Show. who
3: I was going to say, because he's one of the greatest movie <laughs> villains of all time.
2: The sweet transvestite from sweet transsexual transvestite. Transylvania.
3: From transsexual <laughs> Transylvania. But it's kind of the...
2: And, and and she goes on to say it's the opposite of what's wrong with Buffalo Bill,
3: yeah. You
2: know because Buffalo Bill hates himself. Buffalo Bill's violent. He's a psychopath. Oh, Where's...
3: Dr. Franka loves himself.
2: But he's not, also not trying to be trans either. You no, know, he is who he is. He's you know
3: sweet transester. Yeah,
2: he's you know um, he doesn't want to live as a woman, but he's in love with women's fashion and culture and he's celebrates building it. A man. Really, you know.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, love that film. Yeah, you're a big fan of that film. Oh. Yeah, I used to like it when I was younger, but I saw it too many times at the movie theater I worked at every Saturday night. I couldn't take it anymore. I
3: think it's like just kind of like British law that we all must love that film. It's like one of the greatest British films. Well, when I was of like,
2: when I first saw, I, I can understand it's it's a it's a brilliant film. And when I was young, I remember being like, oh, this is great. But then after, I don't know. 3,000 times of seeing it and seeing yeah, dumbasses singing it.
3: You're going to hate any film after 3,000 times. Believe me, I've
2: pretended to like it so many times to get For laid. every girlfriend yeah. <laughs> you've ever had over. <laughs> every goth girl I've dated. Yeah. Um, but on a serious note here, the representation of trans women in horror definitely does have, you know, real world implications. You know, I mean, leads to people have, you know, misconstruing what a trans woman is. Thinks that they're you know, less than human, an abject creature. And uh, you know, a monstrous thing and, and that could lead to violence in the real world as you know, there's an alarming murder rate right now of trans folks. It's you know, I don't even do those stories on sick and wrong. Yeah. Like how many, you know, trans people are murdered. I mean, it's it's very depressing. And it's you know, and especially trans women of color. And so you wonder if like, you know, these tropes, these archetypes of a cross killer have permeated the, the cultural consciousness. And, and these people like Have just these negative opinions And perceptions
3: but That's like what I was saying earlier people. though That if people are only gonna take Like snippets from films And become fearful of trans people Because of a fucking film has shown them Then they're fucking idiots They're fucking Like that's who they are They'll always be idiots
2: Well I think that's what it is You know when you watch these horror films And you see a character like Buffalo Bill Or uh, Bobby in Dress to Kill You know that character's there to make an audience frightened, you know, fearful. But it's important for you, you know, to look and understand where your own feelings and biases are rooted, you know, at that point. Exactly. You know, do you fear that person wearing a dress, you know, that man in a dress more than you fear like Michael Myers?
3: Exactly. You with know, Jason?
2: But I think that the, the fact of the matter is, is we as a society, but definitely like parents and, you know, as a culture, need to educate ourselves that, you know, to know the difference between a disturbed psychopath in a film <laughs> that happens to cross-dress and an actual trans person. Yeah. You know, who lives a life as a trans person. Of you course. You know, and I think that's the thing, you know. Um, not all trans people are psychopathic murderers.
3: But there's psychopaths everywhere.
2: There are. Psychopaths of all races, all sexes, okay? Yeah. Now, I think the important thing you need to do for Pride Month is sit your family down and make them watch Rocky Horror. Okay. I <laughs> I think that's what that. you need to do this month so they can uh, celebrate trans people.
3: That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> uh,
2: this is episode 795 here, Stick and Wrong. Uh, we got some news stories coming up next, uh, but first, here's a word about our Patreon page. Hey, guys, it's Steven again.
0: Just calling from Evan through a miracle of cybernetic processes just to say thanks for creating your Patreon page. I love to kick back and smoke a fat one with my boy, Carl Sagan, while we listen to the extra phone calls and stories we get all the time. Anyway, talk soon. Love you. Bye.
2: The first news story we have here was sent in by a few people, several people, including Evil Bunny. She sent this one in as well. I'm pretty sure, I'm like ninety eight percent sure that we covered the story in the past. But um the guy's back in the news. It's a it's topical and there's more grisly details. It's
3: a new dawn, it's a new yeah. day.
2: Self styled Satanist beheaded his cellmate, but the guards didn't notice, according to a recent report.
3: Oh oh yeah. great gods. Is this in Jeffrey Epstein's jail?
2: <laughs> you know, I wonder if it's the same guards, like they're <laughs> yeah. transferred to Epstein's jail. Uh, no, this was at Corcoran State Prison, which is uh, uh, like a maximum security prison. Uh, I think it's like Central California.
3: I've definitely mispronounced saying Corcoran um, on Overkill a few times.
2: Corcoran? Corcoran. You know, Corcoran to uh, eagle eyed listeners who have listened for a long, long time. Well, people used to make fun of, like, what does Wackerly do? Because he was an engineer, but he would always have to go to prisons. To like do an inventory of their light bulbs. And things. so people said the joke was that he counted light bulbs in prison. But Wackerly would go to Corcoran and they would just be like, all right, yeah, just go walk you know, walk through the, uh, the, the field or whatever and go count your light bulbs. And there would be like murderers, like real inmates just, you know, hanging staring out. Staring
3: at Wackerly. Yeah,
2: in the lot. And Wackerly was just like, what the fuck? Why don't I have an armed escort?
3: They're not going to kill him. He's got that podcasting energy.
2: <laughs> well, they could have, did, well, I don't know. He's, you know, the he's, got, he's got birthing hips. They could have done much worse.
3: They ha- they sensed that he was a podcrafter. <laughs> he is vital.
2: Um. Yeah, no, I think uh, maybe they, they saw that. They're like, you're a what? All right, let's just leave that guy alone. But yeah, no, he went to Corcoran several occasions. Um. So uh, the, the convicted killers here shared the same cell at Corcoran. Uh, on the morning of March 9th, 2019, only one was still alive.
3: Dun, dun, dun.
2: Uh, Jaime Osuna, 31 years old, had decapitated and dissected the body of his cellmate, Luis Romero, who's 44, uh, with a makeshift knife. Uh, But prison guards, after they made the rounds, reported that both men were still alive.
3: Does it say what type of shiv it was? Because I actually know how to make a shiv Uh, using a toothbrush.
2: They later on say it was like a razor. Yeah. A razor blade. I learned how to do he it. He might have done it with a toothbrush. Like I think. Toothbrush yeah, where blade. you wrap
3: the cling film around it and then you kind of like.
2: But I mean, it, it had to be a very sturdy knife to behead the guy.
3: Oh yeah, you could just be hacking away at it. Do a full
2: dissection? It. Yeah, but to I mean, they it cut through a nail with like a razor. Yeah, I think. Yeah, you so. cut through the spinal column?
3: I think a razor could do that, like a straight razor.
2: Oh, I don't know. It's hard enough using like a saw, like a hacksaw. Would still well, hurt let's your try. Wrist. <laughs> um, yeah, so they didn't even report anything. Uh, and so there's been a, uh, a recent inspector general investigation, uh, probably prompted by the, uh, the victim, Luis Romero's family, suing the uh, California prison system here. And so these new reports had fresh revelations that have raised questions about one of the more heinous slings inside uh, the California prison system here. And so now there's been a lawsuit about why Romero is in a cell with Asuna in the first place. You know, um, he, he, Osuna had a history of attacking his cellmates. So they're like, why would you put this guy in a cell with him?
3: Yeah, well, space. It'll be a space issue, won't it? The fact is that they won't have any fucking space. So he's got to be in a cell with someone Or
2: else. possibly uh, that the guy was an asshole. And so they're like, i are going to teach you a lesson by putting you with a freak with yeah? uh, Satan tattoos all over his face. That's true. Um. Why the officers didn't discover you know, the, the beheading and the grisly scene, is not really they didn't really go into it in the reports. But there's a lawsuit from Romero's family that says the cell bars were covered by a white sheet, uh, suggesting the guards just didn't even look behind the sheet. They just kind of walked through.
3: Oh, so he hung a sheet up to murder so, and to, to murder the guy, yeah. And the, poli- uh, the police, the guards are just like, fuck it.
2: So the Department of uh, Corrections here disputed the findings of the report. They say that they conducted a thorough and complete investigation from the very beginning.
3: Yeah, right. It's
2: like, oh, come on.
3: If, you, if they'd have done it from the very beginning, they would have found his dead body at Count in the morning.
2: Well, I mean, a white sheet hid that, like, someone beheaded a guy. How big are those cells? They're not that big.
3: It's like he was going to do Victorian shadow drama for his yeah. cellmate in the evening. <laughs>
2: Um, But the attorney here for Romero's family, Justin Sterling, said the reports outline the department's veil of secrecy that obscures officer misconduct. Um, The guards were meant to check the cell every so often. And the crime, I mean, would have taken hours to commit. Think about this. He's got a toothbrush. He's got a razor on it. Sawing through someone's head, dissecting them, pulling out entrails. To
3: play with them.
2: Yeah, it's not going to be like a 20-minute tw- thing. They probably made the rounds several oh, times. Imagine,
3: right, imagine if you're in the next cell to that. Just the smell.
2: Oh, and the, the sound. Smell,
3: the smell, the squelching sound. You know what he's doing. You're not going to snitch on him. but you're like, I would oh. think he was
2: like wanking or something.
3: He probably was wanking. He's a Satanist. They're all sexy.
2: If the guards had been doing the required checks... Romero might still be alive today. I don't Might, because think... he could have been killed by someone <laughs> else in the prison. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I don't think he would have been alive. I think they just would have found his body a lot sooner.
2: Well, Romero had already been in prison for 27 years. Uh, he was put in the cell with a sooner after arriving from Mule Creek State Prison. Um, Romero had been convicted of a second-degree murder after fatally shooting a woman in Compton when he was a teenager and was in a gang. So it was right. like a drive-by, and it looks like he was a, a poor shot. And he killed a woman. So it was second-degree murder. Uh, he was nearing parole eligibility. So
3: he's still in jail for after second-degree murder for 27 years? 27 that's years. That's a fucking harsh sentence.
2: Well, it could also be like uh, multiple strikes. True. I don't know. But anyway, he was nearing parole. So it kind of sucks that, you know, it's a few, you know, maybe a few months he's going to be paroled, and they're like, ah, let's just choose a satanic psychopath as your roommate.
3: Oh, and that's how he met his you end. Know?
2: And so his new cellmate, here, Asuna, was serving a life sentence for the killing and torture of Yvette Pena, 37 years old, at a Bakersfield motel in 2011. He had covered in satanic face tattoos uh, and a flair for Charles Manson-like satanic antics. I mean, he was definitely notorious. Uh, he became a dark figure during the 2017 trial. I think that's what we covered back then.
3: His trial.
2: Yeah, because he mocked the victim's family. And he was bragging to television reporters how much he loved to torture people.
3: Oh, this guy. And worship Satan. See, even even Charles Manson didn't brag. He was just wackadoo.
2: Well, I think this guy was trying to be as wacky as he could. Maybe he thought he'd get an insanity plea.
3: He'll, well, it means a nice day when they come to interview you. You get a nice day being interviewed by Louis Faroux. That's what he wants.
2: Well, in the early hours, uh, March 9th, 2019... Asuna methodically tortured and killed Romero. He had a razor-style blade attached to a handle. So it was probably a tooth, toothbrush, makeshift knife. He disfigured Ram- Romero, cut out one of his eyes, chopped off one of his fingers, removed parts of his ribs, and sliced out a part of his lung. Ultimately, cut off his head, and then he posed the body, slicing the face open on either side of the mouth to resemble an extended smile. Or... A Glasgow. Known as, as a Glasgow yeah. smile. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you're wondering what he did with all the dissected body parts he removed. Did he eat them? No. He was found wearing a necklace <laughs> made of uh, Romero's <laughs> body parts. App- apparently, he was crafting for his prison Etsy store.
3: <laughs> what is this VF fucking nam? <laughs> Like, <it's... laughs> His yeah, <what> a... <laughs> prison Etsy
2: store. <laughs> made a necklace of the body parts.
3: Even the bit of lung, I totally thought he would have popped that in his mouth and tasted it. This or guy's maybe. a bit of a pussy, man. When the pos- when the position like this comes, where you could also elevate yourself to a cannibal, why not well, just do have. it? He might have.
2: They they don't say. They don't go into detail. Oh, I think
3: this is the type of man who would say, "And then I ate him."
2: Well, they probably don't find him too credible if you think about it. Um, although I do think that uh, you know, the the guards are probably like, "Oh, do we have to deal with the psycho again?" Yeah, fuck it. He's got a sheet over his cell. Who cares? You don't (laughs) have to look at him. Um, The uh, report said that they believed that the victim was conscious for a portion of the time.
3: Well, yeah, people, you're usually conscious just before you murder them, are they not?
2: Um, Osuna had never had a cellmate until Romero arrived two days earlier. Oh no! This is first cellmate. Shit, and this yeah. is what
3: happens. It's kind of like a sitcom, isn't it? <laughs> a really dark <laughs> sitcom.
2: <laughs> yeah, buzz- like Satan, satanic bosom buddies here. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think too many people want to be bunk buddies with this guy.
3: No, he doesn't you know, sound like he's the a weirdo with satanic fucking face either.
2: tattoos. Um, apparently, uh, he did a stint at Kern County Detention Facility where he had been found with hatchets and other weapons. Uh, he was deemed a high-risk, a staff-assaultive threat to guards. Um, in one incident, they, uh, he somehow found his way into another inmate's cell where he stabbed and slashed the guy's face, resulting in 67 stitches. Whoa. Yeah. And when prison officials uh, requested to photograph the inmate's injuries, he said, no, I don't want to risk Osuna getting copies of the photos so you can add them to his collection of trophies. <laughs> I'm amazed that no one took this guy out. Yeah. You know, he's in Corcoran, surrounded by, like, you know, inmates that are in there for life.
3: Yeah, and he's killed a woman, too. He's a woman killer, so.
2: I'm surprised no one took this guy. Maybe everyone was scared of him. Maybe. You Um, know?
3: Maybe there's plans to take him out.
2: Maybe it was Satan who protected him. Satan. Uh, The regular safety checks are considered an essential duty of the prison guards. I mean, they're supposed to be monitoring the health of inmates and preventing assaults and suicides. Once again, I think they're like, yeah, let's just let Freak hang himself. We don't really care. You know, um, in a Romero slang, the DOC has declined to provide any details about what the guards were doing during that period. Uh, according to the inspector general's reports, the two officers falsely reported that they would observed Romero alive. And uh, um, additionally, a third and fourth officer did not report that they had seen the first two officers fail to properly conduct the counts. So everyone's kind of, like, backing, backing each other up. up. Um, uh, the report also criticizes the uh, prison department's um, IA investigation, internal affairs, saying that the first officer lied during the interview and that the special agent charge investigation didn't even interview several key witnesses, like other, uh, you know, inmates that saw what happened.
3: Yeah, the other inmates aren't going to snitch either unless they're going to get given time.
2: Given time, yeah. Yeah. And uh, the inspector general's reports also took issue with the disciplinary measures taken against two of the officers who were on duty. Initially, they were fired. And the salary of the second officer was cut 5% for three years. You said so, duty. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, one, I
2: mean, <laughs> the one that was lying was fired. The other guy had his uh, salary cut. Um, but then uh, the Don't officer, they
3: make jack shit anyways? Yeah.
2: As a prison guard?
3: You fucking- if I you think got it's your, like your, barely
2: above minimum. If
3: you're getting your salary cut, I'd just like, fuck this. I'm going to go and work at Walmart.
2: Uh, but the officers appealed to the state personnel board, and they reached a settlement. Uh, the first uh, officer's dismissal was reduced to a nine-month suspension, so he's back in business. And the second officer's salary reduction was reduced to twenty-four months.
3: That's still a long time. Eh, a couple His of years. feels worse because the first guy who lied is uh, he can come back to work in nine yeah.
2: months. Um, the inspector general's uh, summation here is that the department's handling of the case was poor. Meanwhile, Osuna was transferred to Salinas Valley State Prison Psychiatric Inpatient Program, which is probably where he should have been anyway.
3: I think so. Um,
2: he's been diagnosed with unspec- unspecified schizophrenia, antisocial personality disorder, and <laughs> no borderline shit. personality disorder. Um, a judge has ruled that he is not competent to stand trial for uh, Romero's death. I'm picturing, picturing that guy living in like a cell like Lecter with like glass. You know, instead of bars and, like, a brick wall background. I'm thinking
3: more um, as, like, the Joker in a Suicide Squad.
2: Ooh, yeah. Like, more like a bit of it.
3: Because, you know, he wants the limelight. He's not as sophisticated as Hannibal.
2: Well, I'm not saying he has a desk and books and things like that. I'm just saying he's just in a cell with glass.
3: And they're all just looking at him. Yeah, they're just looking at him. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Anyway. What do you have here for the second story?
3: I've got a very British story, even though... Even the title of it is very British. Woman got pals to drown a 22-year-old man in the river after she ghosted him following sex.
2: Jesus. So wait, wait. She ghosts a guy? She ghosts him? And then has her friends, like, kill him?
3: Yeah. Have a- Isn't
2: that, that going to defeat the purpose of ghosting?
3: It does, completely.
2: Yeah. Why not just kill him? Why ghost him and then kill him?
3: Ghosting's awful. It's only happened to me, like, twice, but it's, it's awful. It's awful I've feeling. I've been
2: ghosted tons of times.
3: After you've shagged them? Yeah. Well, and it doesn't make you feel awful. I don't care. Oh my god, it made me I feel. Say, awful. I mean, I guess
2: it depends. I mean, I've only maybe okay, maybe not after shagging. I've had a couple like where I've made out.
3: Oh like no, making out, out is different. I Just never
2: heard back from. That, no, that's maybe not good. A couple times after like having sex once, and then.
3: Yeah, that's worse because then you're like, hey, you want to hang out? And then they never message. And they just you never message you back. Again. Yeah, because
2: that's only happened maybe twice.
3: Yeah, that's happened to me twice. And whatever. Each time, I was like, fuck. <laughs> So don't ghost people, Damage just be brave. Damage your self-esteem. Yeah, damages, it fucking ruins your ego. All you've got to do is just fucking say to the person, look, it's not for me. Have a nice life.
2: <laughs> be that's, respectable. Be res-
3: yeah, yeah, that's all you've got to do. So a woman, this woman here, she had sex with a vulnerable young man, and then she encouraged two of her friends to murder him. And she has since been jailed for life. Brecky, Becky West Davidson. She encouraged her friends Sean Palmer and Sebastian Smith to kill autistic Joe Pooley. And then she uh, attended his memorial service and gave his mom a lovely hug.
2: Well, so she has sex with an autistic guy, goes him, and then has, has her friends murder him.
3: And then went to his funeral.
2: She's a psychopath.
3: She's a fucking bitch, is what she is. So Ipswich Crown Court, they heard how Becky, she's furry, she ignored messages and prostrations of love from autistic Joe Pooley after they had slept together.
2: Yeah, he's, he's an autistic guy. You know, he probably doesn't, you know, understand the correct emotional response to this.
3: Yeah, it's very. And hard. She
2: just is probably like, I don't know, you know, the 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 the, the, the truck stop slut here. Not, not I, trying to slut shame, Ipswich. but she seems like an evil person. Yeah, the, uh,
3: the the town bike of Ipswich, looking <laughs> <We're getting laughs> Becky here. Um, so her friends Sean Palmer, who was thirty one, and Sebastian Smith, thirty five, they attacked Mister Pooley before throwing him into the river Gipping in Ipswich, where he drowned. Palmer was later said to have confessed to his to his mother, his own mum, that he had held Mister Pooley under the water. He was found dead in the river. By guess what, a fucking dog walker. Nearly a week after being attacked in the early hours of August seventh of twenty eighteen, I once wrote a short story, a murder story, where it's about a man called A dog walker, and his he's cursed. Every time he goes out for like walks in the woods, he finds a dead body. Until the police believe that he's a serial killer, and he gets sent to the nut house.
2: But his name is just A. What is a it? What dog was that? walker. A was it like Albert.
3: It's just a dog walker. You never find out, Israel. now. he's called a because bodies are always found by a dog walker. Found the body. Having a <laughs> having a dog means you're gonna come across a dead fucking body at some point.
2: God, I'm I'm really interested to read your satirical prose. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: We're in uni, all right.
2: <laughs> Regular Mark Twain over there. I'm
3: going to find it and send you it. <laughs> you sit and read James Joyce's Love Else" to His Wife. I think this hey, would be a nice difference. How many
2: authors write about farts?
3: <laughs> Not enough for you. <laughs> so, um, Smith, who had helped fucking kill him, he joined Mr. Pooley's family in the search for him before his body was found. These three are all fucking cunts.
2: God, but you, know, you got to say, though, I mean, they're, they're doing what they're supposed to do. They're not acting guilty. Yeah, Definitely they're helping not. him search, showing him at the memorial, acting completely normal.
3: So this Sebastian suspicious. Smith, he had also confessed to his friend that he had taken Mr. Pooley to a woods, to a local nearby woods, a week before he killed him, and he had uh, told him to dig his own grave. So know? he made this autistic kid okay. dig his own grave in the woods.
2: Why does everybody fuck with this autistic kid?
3: It's definitely, oh, who was that? Oh, I'm kicking myself, can't remember. But there was this very famous case in Britain where this girl with LD, she was murdered and set on fire. Um, very, it's a very famous case. I just can't remember what it, who she's called right now. Is she autistic? Uh, she had LD.
2: Oh, like yeah. learning disabilities.
3: Yeah, so um, she was like that. She just got, fell in with the wrong crowd and they took advantage and they murdered her.
2: Uh, that's, that's pretty terrible. I remember when I was in high school, there's a kid named Tom Davis. And people who uh, went to high school with me and listened to the show will probably remember Tom Davis. I do wonder what happened to him. Lots of stories about this kid. Definitely on the spectrum. I think on the, uh, the, the high end of the spectrum. Um, but uh, there are stories that he was like locked in a closet for like a week by his parents. And that's when like, he really came like affect his personality. I don't, know, I don't know, the veracity of that statement. That just
3: sounds like, yeah, school yard yeah. law. Yeah, but anyway, law. The,
2: the thing is that, so Tom was in a lot of the uh, special ed classes, but the one thing he would do, which I always thought actually was, uh, I don't know, I thought thought it was kind of, um, you know, a nice thing to do. Um, he would... Run between, like, when the when the bell rang, he would run in front of everybody, dodging, di- diving down, and going around people to hold the door open for everyone. It's very gracious. That's he would just very nice hold the him. door open for everyone. Yeah, but he, it was like definitely something that was like, uh, you know, it's kind of OCD. Like, he's obsessed. He has to do it. Had to do it. And so, people thought it was funny to do like a human chain to block tom oh and oh you know, yeah he would freak out and he would like he'd get really upset like flustered like kind of crying to try to do it and i remember as a kid i'd be like dude you guys are dicks all he wants to do is hold the fucking door open for you yeah just let him hold the door open you dicks yeah i remember should... years later and i was in college I went home he was like a bagger and uh, he was just so like ocd i remember being like i can bag my own groceries and he's just like nope and I just like yeah and just like putting it in like really forcefully and you're just like but he took a lot of pride in what he was doing and i was like ah oh, thank you tom i had no idea who, we don't who have I baggers
3: was. in this country what it's not a thing we don't sometimes you'll get like school kids who will pack you groceries but you're supposed to give them money and it goes to like a charity
2: what the fuck you gotta pack your own groceries you
3: gotta pack your own groceries here
2: this is an outrage.
3: A bagger, as if you need, to, as if bagging is a job. What yeah, fuck yeah, what it is? What else are you doing? You just stood there while they ba- while they yeah, took your. I just your paid stuff. a
2: shit ton of money for all these fucking groceries. The least you could do is bag my shit.
3: <laughs> fucking America. <man>. Oh, god.
2: <laughs> fucking never going to the UK.
3: So yeah, because we're all cunts here. Because Becky <laughs> pretended she pretended to be grief stricken after Mister Pooley had died, and she even hugged his mother she at, the,
2: malevolent, at the at the memorial
3: woman. event. All three denied murder, but they've all been found guilty after a form of trial. So jurors have heard how Becky and Mr. Pooley, they had sex at her flat before they began exchanging a flurry of text messages, probably very saucy.
2: But do you think that was all a farce? Like she was doing it to fuck with him?
3: Uh, What? Like coming back at him? No, I think she was like kind of.
2: She was into the autistic. I don't kid. think
3: she was into him, but she wasn't like being mean to begin with.
2: What, does he look like uh, DiCaprio's character in What's He in Gilbert Grave? <laughs> that's what I'm picturing in my mind. That's what I picture.
3: You always think of that, Phil.
2: <laughs> you know, what was the movie that uh, 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 fucking Depp, Johnny Depp did with um, Natural Born Killers Chick? What's her name? Juliette Lewis? Yeah, that's and What's both... He and Gilbert Grave. No, 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 but there's a different movie that they did where they're both kind of special.
3: Oh, is that the, with the potatoes? The
2: potatoes. Yeah.
3: yeah. Oh my god, I know what or you they're mean. They're both like two autistic they're guys autistic, who have sex. But he is terrible in that film.
2: Doesn't he knock her up or something? They have an autistic kid. They do. Yeah. yeah. What's I've...
3: that called? It's gonna bug me. We're gonna Google Benny and June. Benny and June. Yeah. Thank you. I wish I could You're remember the name tongue. of this girl who got murdered. Make a great point. Of it. <laughs> Disgusting. So um, his lo- he was sending her really lovely, affectionate messages that were showing an intensity of feeling. Um, but like, there was definitely one... Definitely a
2: good driver. Definitely. <laughs> definitely good driver. Definitely. <laughs> it's a really bad joke. Isn't it? <laughs> it's just a terrible joke. Um,
3: but there was one text message that he sent her, which I will get to, that stroked her anger and hostility and was what made her decide he should die. Whoa. The judge told her... There is no doubt in my mind that you encouraged the attack on Joe Pooley. The sad thing is that he was only after you because he had a loving heart, but you betrayed his heart. You were part of a group of people who accepted Joe when it suited you, but no sooner had that been done than you rejected him. So the message that he had sent her, which enraged her and she decided he had to be killed, said this. No wonder you ain't with your kids. The jury heard that it was a wait, clear wait, wait. reference to her children not living with her and it made her so angry that she smashed up her room.
2: Well, oh, she's a mother too. She, how old of is How, is this, how old is she? She's thirty. She's thirty. She's a, where is this this in the UK? Yes. Yeah, where is in which Ipswich. region? Ipswich. Where's that? Shithole. Oh shithole, all right. Shithole. <laughs> <laughs> is it a southern shithole or a northern shithole? Actually,
3: hole? oh who was it who um a cool listener um, called Tristan. Hi, Tristan. He tagged me in something on Facebook where it was in Hull, and it was somebody talking about it. And I just wrote, "It's a shithole." <laughs> and then uh, we were talking a little, but then this woman who had, doesn't know me, never listened to the show, just lives in Hull. She put up a picture of her like eating dinner outside, and it was she was like, "It's not too bad from where I'm sat." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's a fucking shit hole. Well,
2: you got put in your place.
3: <laughs> a real hole. told me that hole <laughs> is not a shit hole. I'm sorry. I've been to hole fucking stinks. you
2: like, well, I stand corrected.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. Your dinner, your takeaway dinner looks lovely. <laughs> Why do you have to do it it's so funny? Your
2: city smells like vomit, but that's fine. I guess you can eat in that.
3: It just smells like really minging water because of the like river sewage? humba. No, not like sewage. It's like a kind of a mouldy, off smell on certain days. Do
2: the people smell like that?
3: Yeah, because they're from Yorkshire. <laughs> <laughs> Disgusting.
2: <laughs> okay, so this woman's thirty. She She's got kids, got and kids so... that
3: don't live with her. They must live with like various baby daddies. And so uh, he
2: made this scathing comment. Yeah, comment. Yeah, no wonder you ain't kids. got your kids. And she got
3: yeah. so mad, she smashed up her room, and she decided that he had to die. So he was lured to a meeting, um, bef- to meeting Smith and Palmer, who attacked him beside the river. Mr. Pooley's mother, Sam Nichols, the one who hugged Becky at his funeral, she read out her victim impact statement, saying he had learning difficulties, which became more challenging as he got older. He was desperate for friends, but he was sadly unable to tell that people, the people around him were not friends. So the prosecutor had claimed that Becky had tried to cover up the alleged murder by deleting a number of Facebook messages, as they do. They included one in which Mr. Pooley had asked her to call off the hit, and another where she was telling him, you're fucked, mate.
2: Well, then she well, she told uh, the autistic kid that he's fucked.
3: He's fucked. So she received a life sentence. She's got to serve at least 17 years before she can apply for any form of parole. Um, the other two, they were also jailed for murder. Um, Smith was ordered to serve a minimum of twenty-one years, and Palmer was told he must serve at least eighteen years.
2: So, well, how did she get more than they did?
3: Because she's like, like the she child
2: orchestrated Manson. it. Yeah, she yeah, but she, I mean, know. they actually did the murder.
3: Well, they were also probably just arresting her because she sounds like a fucking cunt.
2: Yeah. Yeah, she's going an to an you- evil person.
3: Yeah, having somebody killed and then going to their funeral and hugging. Their mother. That, that's, that's what I'm saying. Some it's like a psycho. Shit. Yeah, it's like a psychopath. Like that's she's cold shit, yeah. man.
2: Well, maybe not psychopath. That's sociopath. Like she obviously doesn't care.
3: She, yeah, she's yeah, not. Um, she's definitely not intelligent enough to be a psychopath. Nah. None of the cast of characters there have a have much of a brain. But cell she, you know, them. she
2: attempted to cover her tracks, which is uh, more than I can say with a lot of American what, murderers. A
3: Facebook message? <laughs>
2: yeah, but also like showing up, pretending to look for the victims, and like, you know, oh no, his normal. mates did
3: that. The guys who murdered him did that. Well, she went not to the memorial though. She did, but the other two didn't.
2: Oh
3: God, bastards!
2: Yeah, what a twat!
3: A twat. <laughs>
2: People, say your story. Sick Wrong podcast at uh, gman.com. we got some phone calls coming up next. You can call the Sick and Wrong hotline at 323-522-4032. Uh, but uh, before we get to all that, before we get to our phone call segment of the show, uh, here's a word from Adam and Eve.
1: Hey, Sick and Wrong listeners. This is Trucker Paul. I got to tell you about this wonderful porno place where you can buy jack-off machines, dildos, inflatable wives. I've bought them all. When I go home, I like to diddle my wife with a, a little dildo. When I'm on the road, I got my second wife, my blog doll, and my jack-off sleeve. Go to adamandeve.com, type in the word fiddle. D I D D L E. And you'll get 50% off all your masturbation machines. How do y'all flick my balls? I put a spell on you.
0: Because of my.
2: So you got a few phone calls to get to. 323 4032 is that number. Um. A few callers who've called in that we haven't heard from in quite a bit. Nice. Quite a bit of time. Bit of so, time, Mike. Yeah.
3: good. I love the phone calls.
2: Yeah, some old callers here. And people, remember, you can call the Sigrun Hotline, 323-522-4032, or you can email us or even send us a, uh, a Facebook message. Um, did, we did get some good calls this week, actually. We get several ones. But, um, but yeah, we always want more. So uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, so this first caller here is calling in about a lucid dream.
0: Oh, nice! Hi, guys. Hi, Kate. Hi, uh, I was just listening to your podcast about um, after projection and what's the other shit you talked about. Oh, yeah, I like having.
2: That- <laughs> <laughs> what's the other shit you talked about? Yeah, that's me. When someone's like, oh, "What was your show on?" Remember that one when you did that thing? I'm like. I don't know what the fuck we were talking about.
3: Yeah, when I as soon as we've recorded, I always struggle the week after. I'm like, "What the fuck did we talk about?" <laughs> it's like you spend no. all week preparing, and then you just like forget it.
2: Usually, when I'm posting the next day, I'm like, "God, what story did I even do?"
0: Yeah, I don't
2: know. <laughs> it's too much weed. Um, sex with yourself and your
0: dreams. If you can do that, so first of all, I'm like Kate. I can lose lucid dream for some reason.
3: I don't know how I
2: don't practice it, but every time I lucid dream, I just jump out of air. Basically, I
3: just jump. Wait, what'd she say? She jumps. She jumps, which is like certain certain people when they lucid dream. That's how you can learn how to lucid dream. Is like you picture yourself like jumping, like out.
2: jumping out of your body.
3: Well, yeah, she'll jump and she'll she'll be like the Hulk, like when the Hulk jumps. Oh, like a
2: huge jump, He'll, like a yeah, big she can do jump, like, a huge like
3: fucking jump.
2: Oh, so that's okay. not how.
3: I just have lucid dreams. I don't have to do anything like that. Hmm. It's
2: just
0: space. I don't want to be on earth anymore. <laughs> um, about the dreaming thing, I actually have, uh, about uh, having sex with yourself in dreams. I have a friend that um, had a swissome with himself, with himself, in his dreams. Free of him.
2: Well, he- wow. So he had a threesome <laughs> with two of his, it's like having like a sex with your clone.
3: Yeah. Would you ever, would you have sex with your clone?
2: No, I I find myself annoying as it is, so I couldn't even imagine (laughs) having another one of me to deal with and have to talk to.
3: I just don't think, I think I would find myself, I'd be annoyed by myself.
2: You wouldn't go into straight scissor kicking mode?
3: No, I wouldn't have the lesbian deathbed syndrome. I'd just be like, "Why, why do you keep putting on these accents? Fucking stop it. Go to sleep.
2: I can see me. It's like, well, I'm, come on, aren't you going to give me a fucking reach around? I've been sitting here, you know.
3: <laughs> come on, guy. Letting you bang
2: me in my ass for like 20 fucking minutes. <laughs> and you're not even giving me a reach around. Fucking, fucking A. Fucking A. <laughs> yeah, I'd be too annoying
0: to have sex with. I don't know if
2: that's gay or not, but he's already gay. And he's a narcissist. he's a gay narcissist that's a good question you know uh, a gay narcissist what do they dream of dream up having sex sex with themselves
3: in a freesome and there was free of us and it was just fabulous
2: so is it gay like let's just take him being gay out of the equation okay is it gay to have sex with yourself
3: to have sex well yes it is gay so is
2: it it's gay to masturbate
3: Everyone is a little bit gay Says all the time. It's not gay to masturbate.
2: Yeah, but so don't you think having sex with yourself is pretty much masturbating?
3: No, because you would still, if you were having sex with yourself, with like another version of you slash a clone, and you had their cock in your mouth, that's pretty gay. No, because you're still, they're a clone of you, which means they're an exact double, but they're not you. Well, are they? This is where, this is becoming like a Will Smith sci-fi film, <laughs> aren't
2: they? Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like they, you're, they're split out of you. Like, let's say you split into three Overs. beings.
3: And, yeah, well, then it's not gay, and it is just masturbation. <laughs> and it's like swallowing a cock.
2: But, yeah, there's it gay to autofillate, to suck your own dick and swallow your semen.
3: There is something a bit gay about that.
2: Yeah.
0: So maybe if you're gay and a gay narcissist, you would fantasize by yourself three times in your dream, or be different, whatever, having sex with yourself with your three other selves. That's weird. But yeah, I would totally have sex with me in my dream. Nice. <laughs> maybe it's gay, maybe it's not, whatever. Keep it safe, keep it wrong, guys. Love you. Bye.
2: She, she's got a bit of an accent, this caller.
0: Yeah,
2: this is. Yeah. I know who this is. I, you know, I I wouldn't mind watching you have sex with yourself. Just, just throwing it out there. D. <laughs> no, I'm just saying she has kind of a sexy voice. I wouldn't she mind. She does. Seeing that. I like the accent. You know, I don't. I don't even mind those porns where it's just a girl masturbating.
3: Yeah, I like those. Poems. So it gets
2: it gets a bit boring, but sometimes I like it because it makes me think of like, oh, if I was, you know, a talking peeping to this- Tom. No, well, not a peep in Tom really as much. as like, if this is my girlfriend and she was living in another country, this is what we'd send each other.
3: Yeah. You know? I see that.
2: So, so I can put it, but it's kind of boring because usually you want to see actual real porn.
3: Yeah. Uh, sometimes I watch them just if I'm in a special mood and I just want to see, like, Evelyn and Claire have a nice time.
2: You just want to learn some new techniques.
3: Some new, like, wrist techniques. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> um. All right. Well, thank you there, caller. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's. I often wonder, you know, like uh, what's what is do androids dream of electric sheep? Do gay narcissists dream of having sex with themselves? And they do. It's been answered that question. Thank you. All right, next caller. You know, this is like okay. So that first call was kind of thematic because of gay pride. Well, this next call is also thematic because it's Buffalo Bill.
3: Hey, nice.
1: Uh, hey, DK, this is Buffalo Bill. Uh, I'm just listening to the episode where y'all are talking about a wooden spoon usage for discipline, and I'd like to venture that it's not an, uh, an Indian thing, it's more of a British thing. Oh. Because uh, my, my father's British, and growing up, uh, I would always hear stories about how Grandma would, uh, when he was naughty, um, would take a wooden spoon and slap him in the ba- uh, on, on the backside of his thigh uh I yeah, you know, when they were being when the uh he and
3: his sister were being unruly. I want to know where Buffalo Bill's uh, dad is from. Because 'Cause you're half British as well. Hole. Is he from Hull? <laughs> I don't the shithole. <laughs> I was just saying that.
2: <laughs> um Yeah, no, no, yeah, I'm half British, but that was never something the rabbi would do.
3: Hit you with it. yeah, but the rabbi was a pacifist though.
2: Yeah, he didn't he didn't really Was it do the
3: that. M- was it the mum who doled out?
2: Yeah, well, yeah. I think it was my mom who would be, you know, like you're gonna get a patch on the tuckers A
3: patch on the tuches. Well, my mom gave us a patch on the tuches with a wooden spoon.
2: So, do you think it's a British thing? I think
3: or? it might be a British thing now. Well, if um, Buffalo Bill's dad is getting patch on the tuckers with well, a wooden spoon too,
2: you wouldn't get hit anywhere else. Just your, uh, just your ass with the spoon. Just
3: the backside, yeah. And it would just be like a couple of whacks. It was never like you know she beat us until we were bloody.
2: Well, was this like the cooking spoon or is this the spanking spoon?
3: Um, it was a cooking spoon, which is quite gross when I think about it. But like when she, it's like an Eddie Murphy sketch, because she would just sometimes. Like just, a shoe. Yeah, she would sometimes just open up the drawer and show us the spoon and we'd all just start crying.
2: <laughs> was it bare assed or through clothing?
3: Um, through clothing, because she would usually just do it in a. It was usually at nighttime when we were being unruly.
2: So years later, did you ever have any of your boyfriends like <laughs> you know, smack you with a spoon? I've
3: never actually asked for z- I just like when I have my spankings, I just like it with a hand. Hmm. I right. don't I don't need like an implement
2: to I'm do not try that. out the spoon. I'm I've bit naughty. A
3: bit naughty. because no, 'cause if you get it out of the drawer and show me it, I'll just start crying. Progress. <laughs> <Start
2: crying. laughs> yeah. Grass well. back. <laughs> And my boner would start growing. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. Now I want to know, is this a British thing? So British listeners, uh, you know, let us know. I think the American thing was uh, the belt,
3: the belt or a switch. What exactly is a switch?
2: It's like a like a tree branch.
3: Oh, so you have to have, like, a particular type of tree. I don't
2: know if it's a particular... I think it's just you get a tree branch, you take the leaves off, and that's your switch.
3: It was definitely the belt, because, like, Charles Wachowski, you know, he had to go into the bathroom, and then his, da- his dad would come in and just beat him mercilessly with the belt.
2: Yeah, and, like, uh, the people might might remember good times when uh, JJ's dad would be like, I'm gonna get my belt. And then would be like, oh, and everybody would be scared. I mean, you know, I, I remember my mother would sometimes say, like, you know, your father's going to get his belt, and it's like, yeah, right. <laughs>
3: yeah. A rabbi, rabbi
2: doesn't wear a belt. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, the rabbi never did that. But yeah, our, our family never did the belt thing. But I do wonder if um, if the spoon is a British thing. We'll have to hear from the British callers. And
1: funny enough, that tradition uh, carried on very few times, but there were... There were a couple of times where I was um, uh, mucking about in the kitchen and uh, I got a little bit of a flap with the spoon in the back of the leg. And one very unfortunate time where um, my uh, father was barbecuing with some tongs Ooh. and Ooh. I, I was being a little shit. And uh, I didn't stop being a little shit and I was bumping the barbecue or something. And he, you know, he, I guess he must have thought he had a wooden spoon. He just went back and whack, got me in the back. Of, and let me tell you, it straightens kids out. Like, that will, <laughs> yeah. that will get their
2: attention. Maybe it straightens kids out. Depends on who's hitting you. You know?
3: Yeah. But, um, I mean, it fucking works. Stops you from being a little shit.
2: I guess. Why don't they just get a taser?
3: And just start tasering your children when they're being unruly. You know,
2: that might be a funny thing to make, like the sick and wrong child taser. It's not like <laughs> as strong as an adult taser, like what the cops use on, on unruly people, you know. <laughs> yeah. But it's instead, it, it it's just like a little kid's taser. It hurts, but not that much.
3: And it just stops them in their tracks.
2: Well, fuck yeah, it does. Maybe, it's a little yeah, shock. It's like yeah, a little maybe
3: one. makes them piss their pants.
2: <laughs> well, it's kind of like those things, you know, they put those collars on dogs. And oh, the like dog- a shock
3: collar. Yeah, because they're not all cruel. <laughs> In well, any
2: way <laughs> I'm just saying It's like no, They put the collar on dogs If they don't have a fence And the dog can't go Like to through the perimeter Or he's gonna get get you know, A little zap Well that's what I'm saying It's like We get this little taser That just gives them A little zap When they misbehave
3: I think we should Just put the collars on them
2: Well okay That's a little Now you're that's, that's, a, that's a bit outrageous Kate Now you're going A little above and beyond No no I
3: think we should We should also make Sick and wrong spoons Wooden spoons
2: <laughs> Now I like the cut of your jib I like where you're going with that. Sick and wrong, spanking spoons. Also, we should Not have, to be used for cooking.
3: We should also have paddles, too. Paddles? Like in uh, Days and Confused.
2: Oh, that's a paddling. It's yeah, a paddling. Maybe it's, now we're kind of breaking into the Adam and Eve territory. That's a paddling. You know, <laughs> I think uh, spanking spoon. Spanking spoon. Yeah.
1: They will stop what they're doing. Um, so I, I really, uh, you know, maybe that's a British thing. That they passed to India, um, but who knows? Anyway, I uh, hope you
3: guys are doing well. Keep the thick, strong. Thanks, BB. Well,
2: thank you, there, Buffalo Bill. Um, yeah, I'm interested to know. Like, is uh, spanking with a spoon a British thing?
3: I think it is. Now I'm convinced. Tallywax
2: with the spoon.
3: Me and BB have something in common.
2: <laughs> Did you ever have like kids who would actually get hit by their parents?
3: Um yeah but Did I didn't you know kids like that. I didn't you obviously don't find out about that until years later. But yeah I went to school with a kid whose dad used to like beat the shit out of him.
2: He, I remember a couple kids that we I remember this uh this kid named Cy who didn't even have a parents. He just lived with a guy named Bill. Mm. And every now and then Cy would come to school with just a black guy and he was just like, yeah, piss Bill off. It's like, yeah. And I just remember as, as a kid I'm like I never want to live with a Bill. <laughs> Like, I just, I'm, I'm <laughs> cool with my mom and dad. Don't want to live with a guy named Bill.
3: Don't send me to Bill. <laughs> All right,
2: well, we got one more call here. Um, I don't even know. Oh, you know who this is? Another old caller. A classic. Kind of a bit of a celebrity.
0: Ooh. Ah, Dean Tate, Epic father here again. <laughs> um, Something I didn't
1: tell you about getting
2: a new girlfriend do you remember this he called in a few like a couple months ago yeah. and uh, he had met a new girl
3: yeah he's, who farts more epically than he does apparently
2: yeah and like they're both attracted by their flatulence you know mutual flatulence
3: yeah it's what bonds them
2: well I think I don't know if that's what caused the divorce from the previous wife it was the flatulence but it would be
3: reason for me Reason would enough it, for me. It, yes. If you,
2: if you had a husband that just like just farted all the time, it's
3: fucking just dis- get the hell away from me. Go upstairs <laughs> and like I'll wonder why there's a duck <laughs> quacking upstairs, but like not in front of me. Have some decorum, I'm a fucking lady, please.
2: Yeah, maybe that is why the marriage ended. But then he met a girl who's as turned on by farts as he is.
3: Yeah, it's like James Joyce.
2: Yeah, you know I think it's good. It's like when Michael Scott met that HR lady. Remember in the Office.
3: Yes, and <laughs> you're both... such a
2: dad. <laughs> yeah, but they're both just as dorky as each other. Yeah, it I... was
3: totally that moment. I bet, like, he farted on the first date and kind of gave her a cheeky look as if to say, is she going to accept this or not? And she looked right him right back in the eye and just fucking farted even louder. Just like
2: a, like a fucking truck's, like, <laughs> yeah. horn. like Argh. Yeah,
3: and then it was just, like, two ducks quacking That's when night. he fell in love. It is. Yeah.
1: I've been found in the same pussy for 40, 15 years. I was yeah. a bit worried about the first time that we, you
0: know, got in the sack. Um, I won't lie, it wasn't long after we'd met. In fact, I think it was probably the second date. She's yeah, a slut. I date. like her.
2: And... <laughs> <laughs> second date and they're already ha- um, hooking second up. Second
3: date's probably like if you, if you really fucking fancy the person, what's wrong with it?
2: But yeah, but how far would you go on the first date?
3: Uh, it depends, it depends how drunk I get <laughs>
2: <laughs> Wait, it depends like how drunk you get And if he bought you some fish sticks
3: <laughs> Fish fingers Fish
2: fingers <laughs> um,
3: yeah. yeah, it all And it depends on like, you know What I'm doing the next day
2: <laughs> Fish fingers are panty droppers for Cave Rambo <laughs> Mental note people Yeah, it all
0: sort
1: of happened um, I was worried it was going to be a, What we call a moped moment two-stroke, I in two pumps and a squirt, but I don't know whether it was
2: nerves or what, but I was... Have you ever heard that moped moment? No,
3: I've never heard that. It's quite a cool term. A scooter, um, as we call them. A scooter. A scooter, darling.
2: i never heard that term, though. Moped moment.
3: I've never heard that either. So that's
2: basically if you're like a minute man, you know, premature. Yes. A preemie. A preemie. A <laughs> preemie be a machine afterwards and i don't think i'd even blow my bolt not until maybe the third or fourth time oh whoa so whoa
1: not all is lost um it has got a little bit easier <laughs> as time goes on but yeah basically i've i've refound my uh mojo i suppose you'd call it um <laughs>
2: it's like austin powers
1: Fart once during coitus.
2: What? Oh. So yeah, I just thought
1: I'd update you with that. Um, good for you. of the listeners have sort of
2: asked That's He's kind of implying that he, he has farted during coitus in the past. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it not sound like he's like, I didn't even fart once. Like, huh, who would have thought good, that?
3: Good for me. <laughs> yeah, it's just like,
2: okay, so. I broke I am, my
3: record. So I
2: imagine it probably has happened in, in, the, in the past. past.
3: Well, uh, I'm sure it must be a common thing for the men's. Well, it happens. Men are disgusting creatures. <laughs>
2: How things are going and stuff, and uh, oh, not too cuts much. off. Oh, wait, wait, so there he is. Speak to you soon, guys. Love you. Keep up the
1: good work. Bye
2: bye. You know, I wonder what Epic Farter thinks about queefs.
3: Queef, oh, well, they're like um, the the second secret fart, he would love that.
2: Yeah, but does he think that they're fake farts?
3: Fake farts? Why would he think, oh, because they're not real because they're, they're not like real farts. In the
2: <laughs> yeah, that's why I wonder. It's like if he's just like, if he hears a queef, he's like oh, you know, it was was lovely, but it's not real. It's not a real fart. I bet he waits for the magical moments of
3: Varts. (laughs) Varts excite Epic Fart more than anything because it's a fart done pretty much twice.
2: Yeah, now that's like a fetishized fart.
3: That's what he loves. I bet that's his Pornhub. Instead of, you know, typing in Evelyn Clare into Pornhub like everyone else, he's typing in Varts. (laughs)
2: You know, I've never tried to do that. Like, I don't want to type in Vart in. uh... I
3: was just thinking that then, but then I was also thinking, I'm just going to type in Evelyn Clare.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I I wouldn't mind typing in Evelyn Clare Vart.
3: Don't you taint my queen like this?
2: Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing her taint.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I've seen it.
2: Well, thank you there, epic farter. Yeah, good. Um, yeah, you know, I, I'd like to know your opinion on varts. Like, do you, I would too, as yeah, like, he's
3: an, a man who knows his farts. Yeah, like, So are he you should in, know his varts. Yeah,
2: I'd like to know what you think about varts versus farts versus queefs.
3: Oh, my God, the trifecta.
2: The trifecta. Ooh. Yeah. Anyway, uh, congratulations on the newfound love. Sounds like a, you got a keeper there. Um, people call the cigar on hotline 323-522-4032 um kate we gotta wrap up the show we but do. uh usually towards uh, the end here we like to plug our patreon uh people if you aren't on the patreon page um you're definitely missing out because we've got a lot of good content on there
3: yeah i love the Patreon.
2: but if you're a big fan of the show it, it's you know it's a great way to support us you it's know, the only you, way to support us it is because we, we don't really make <laughs> don't any don't money from advertising yeah. and uh you know and it, it, it keeps us going it's you know it's like you'll make a little bit of money from the show um, allows us to buy new equipment and uh, plan for like, hopefully when COVID's over, plan for some uh, some tour. some tours, yeah. events. I, so I wouldn't mind doing a tour of uh, some UK pubs. We're definitely you know, going to do a UK,
3: because um, I think FM ages ago said we should do like six nights in six cities, six, six, six.
2: Ooh, I like um, that.
3: So we could do that in like America, UK, and I would fucking love to go to Australia.
2: But that would be great. But yeah, that's the thing, though. So I mean, by giving us a little money on Patreon, you're actually supporting the show and helping us out. Um, so sign up for Patreon, patreon.com slash sickandwrong. And uh, yeah, you know, we're not just asking for a donation. We're, we're giving you something. So we, we yeah. actually have been doing a lot of content <laughs> uh, for just $5. Uh, you get an extra story. Um, this week, actually, keeping with the theme, did a story about a transgender woman uh, who is forced to have her testicle removed after it became twisted uh, by tucking, a tucking injury.
3: Too much tucking, man.
2: Testicular torsion. Um, you know, Big Jer, Good actually. I, t- I told a story about Big Jer, yeah. who uh, actually had testicular torsion when he was a teenager. It sucked. Um, but then also we go into the outtakes. Um, Kate kind of went, in t- went into a, a personal discussion about the Nexus, the connection between Frosted Flakes and her litany of abortions.
3: I, yeah, um, I went
2: there. Yeah, uh, so we, so we get into a, you know a lot of personal details, a lot more fun, a lot it's more relaxed. Personal
3: stories, yeah. There's lots, more, lots more big yucks. There's big no yucks real structure
2: on the, on the on the Patreon. You're free flying yeah, when free you get ball on there. In. <laughs> free balling. Free balling on the Patreon, and uh, just for a few bucks more, you can get our Sick and wrong news segment. Uh, we are talking about uh, this week an elderly woman who had her body devoured. From the waist up by her cats. That's what's
3: going to happen to me. And
2: um, 60% of UK residents feel that, you, that you're you not even allowed to smoke outside. Ridiculous. What the fuck is up with that?
3: So fucking, people forget this is a Tory country. It sickens me.
2: And scientists have finally figured out why some people can't stand the sound of other people eating. Also me. Which uh, Kate Kate suffers from that. And then finally, we mentioned before the bonus episode, which is going to be gay pride themed for this month, where Kate's Woo! going to be covering a gay slayer every week for the entire month. So go check it out, Patreon.com/sickandwrong, and uh, yeah, just uh, help uh, show us a little love. Um, also, we got a sick and wrong Reddit page. Just go to to Reddit and do a search for r/sickandwrongpodcast. Uh, there's also a T Public Store, sick and wrong T Public Store, if you want to buy some merch. Not sure if they're doing a sale right now, but maybe. Uh just go to SigarongPodcast.com slash shop and click on the picture of the Pope. And finally, here, Sigmund Song of the Week. We're gonna end with a queer core band. Yeah. Queer core band, kind of a cool one. Uh Pedro, Muriel, and Esther. Uh, a song called Anna E. Uh PME here was uh was Vaginal Davis's um first band. Uh, Vaginal Davis been a bunch of bands, kind of a famous LA drag queen. Um, but she was in, uh, she's in an actual really cool band, if you ever check it out, uh, Black Fag. Yeah. And they do all Black Flag covers. Awesome. Oh, they're such, it's really cool, actually. I've seen them a couple times. But this is her first band, Vaginal Davis's first band, uh, Pedro, Muriel, and Esther, and the song's called Anna E. And uh, she, um, re- this song came from like, a, I think it was like a, ni- a 1989 uh, compilation, but she re-recorded the track later for a couple of her records. Um, uh, but this album is from a uh, a compilation of nineties queer rock and punk called Queer Core Explosion. Uh, most of the songs are from like the early nineties. But kinda of talked, I guess, you know, there's a lot of queer punk that's come around the nineties.
3: Yeah, there's loads, and there's still loads to this day. Shout out to Limp Wrist.
2: Yeah, well yeah, Limp Wrist yeah. is a great band. We should uh, I've seen them a few times. Um, yeah. Davis formed uh, the band Black uh Black Fag in nineteen ninety-two And uh, she still was part of the L.A. alternative scene, although I think she lives in uh, Germany now, like Berlin.
3: Of course, because nobody German lives in Berlin. (laughs) Berlin is just full of uh, everyone from around the world. No Germans allowed.
2: Well, happy Pride Month, people. Celebrate Pride. Have fun. Um, Watch Rocky Horror and uh, listen to Pedro, Muriel, and Esther. Uh, People will be back next week with episode 795. Till then, take it sleazy.
1: Her sexy hustler boyfriend was killed last year when his ninja motorcycle collided with a Camaro in Van Nuys, California. Now she has a new hustler boyfriend and he's even cuter than the dead one. She's a real fine chick. She's got tits and a dick. And I'm gonna tell you about I She went from a turn to the way she begun And this is the tale that was fun I'm not you, I'm not me, I'm not you I'm not been, you're a you, She was she She's got the kind of something that makes me weep She let them have that something when they respect their I knew, I knew. Jeez, I'm not to
0: Because mine's making money Ah, uh, I'm your host, Tatiana Let's give a
1: big hand now To the diva, diva, mahogany And now for your pleasure The
0: splendor, the wonder of Viva, an original cosmetic She's a cannabis. She's amazing, she's Miss And last but not least The exotic
1: video stage is when you start learning more about your victims, potential victims. I uh, went to the library, I looked up their names, that address, cross-reference, and called them a couple of times, drove by there whenever I could. And each time he struck, Rader said he was armed with what he calls his hit kit. It, it, a, it contained what? Uh, plastic bags, rope, tape, uh, knife, gun, mm-hmm. all those wouldn't be a kit, they'd be where I to have them in the house and get them up tools that would come to define the work of BTK.
0: The victims were often discovered bound with tape or rope tied in unusual knots.